Hi guys, this is Mike Sass from Gen Con 2016. I'm an artist for Hearthstone, Bioware, and Magic, and you're listening to Seven Land Hand. It's Seven Land Hand! Brought to you by Good Games. I thought Imperial China was a type of porcelain used to make toilet bowls, but I've since been told Christopher Chung has used it to make lanterns. Lanterns that have created more smoke on the water than Deep Purple in the 1970s. But we're not here to talk heavy metal, more like heavy pedal, as we also look at Lotus, more flowery goodness than a mouthful of Krispy Kremes. It's a Renegade Games Studio Festivale. And this is Seven Land Hand. Lotus is an area control card management game from Renegade Game Studios. It was released in 2016 and was designed by mathematical mad couple Jordan and Mandy Goddard. It's a game for two to four players and it takes about 30 minutes to play. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Lotus is a beautiful game that grows into a unique work of art every time you play. Clear your head and take in the quiet strength of the lotus garden. It takes skillful care and nurturing to grow these flowers and to up to their full potential. But once picked, they provide their owner with wisdom. Beware, for there are others who will do anything they can to get their hands on these mystical flowers. You'll need to enlist the help of creatures native to this land to take control of the lotus garden and achieve true enlightenment. Enlightening? What was I going for? Enlightenment. Enlightenment. One disclaimer before we proceed, though. Uh, Jordan and Mandy Goddard are not actually a mad couple. They're just a pair of tearaway kids trying to make it work in the big smoke. In fact, Jordan used to work on the docks, and the union's been on strike, and he's down on his luck. It's tough. It's tough. (laughs) But what does it all mean to gamers? Here to light the flame next to bags of fertilizer, it's Matt, here we go, Zhuji McHale. I left my art of war at home. And is that who it was? No. I just grabbed that off the internet. Well, no, but Zhu I still Zhu. left well, Sun Tzu. Oh, and, <laughs> and Jamie, Sun Tzu Lawrence. A bird in the hand makes it hard to blow your nose. That's, that's, the, uh, that's art, some wisdom. That's the art of battle right there. <laughs> Don't blow your nose on battle. And I almost stole your bit. Gentlemen, you've walked through the Garden of Geek many times. What have you seen this week? What's been happening? Well, Jamie, do you mind if I go first? You no, usually do. <laughs> I know, why I why are you even do. throwing it out there? You always go first. <laughs> I thought I'd do the polite thing, seeing as how Lotus is such a polite game. Okay. It's polite conversation tonight. Uh, what I've been watching. Now, in the past, we've talked about Netflix and, and Presto and their Walking Deads. And, and their... your many subscriptions to all of the free uh, <laughs> providers you can get your they're, hands they're, on. They're yeah. starting to simmer out a little bit now, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, They're on to you, Matt. I've... Put down Luke Cage. I've yeah. put down The Walking Dead, and yeah. I've picked up The Expanse, which is a. I started watching that this week too. Is that a Netflix one with the space? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Based I... on a novel by someone I can't remember. Oh, that guy. Yes. Yep. And yeah, he's so good. I. This is the first Netflix series, the first series in a long time that I watched from episode one to the f- episode ten. I'm writing this down, Matt. That's a big rap. The Expanse. It was really good. The Expanse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to. I can't take all the credit. It was uh, T- Master Torgo that put me onto it. Did you, did the wife watch it along with you? No. Ah. Uh. No. This is <laughs> this was dishes material. Ah. Uh, because that's what I'm battling with. You know, when you sit down, you go, <laughs> "What are we going to watch tonight, hun?" And you go, "Oh, The Expanse." There's a guy floating around in space with some glowy stuff behind him. She's like, "Nah, that's not going to happen." No, it was great. It, it it 
it kind of took me back to Blade Runner-esque with uh, really grimy aliens, alien-aliens sort of feel. Okay. Without the aliens, but... Uh, it was that, you know, that, that design, that technology level where everything, it wasn't clean, it, everything's gritty, grimy, dirty. Oh, so that's the, the way, Star Wars universe of the future where everything's old and run down a little bit. Well, I would say still more like they've, uh, humanity's expanded themselves into the universe, into the cosmos without Yeah, uh, I've been down the shopping centre recently and human, humankind is expanding themselves <laughs> quite well at the moment, I'd like to say. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. But... Uh, and everything, everything's just there's like factions. The UN control everything on Earth, yeah, basically. And no and spoilers, man. Whatever you this do. Is, no, these aren't okay. spoilers. And then there's a there's Mars, Mars colony, and the Martians, yeah, who are just humans that live on Mars, live on Mars, like like um, like Venusians, like oh my god, I've forgotten <laughs> his name. I've watched. The, I've, oh. Total Recall. No. no, no, no. He's talking about the Martian with Matt Damon. Matt, da- Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. Oh, my God. I was there with you. I just yeah. <laughs> didn't Ooh. see the tie-in. Please, just fill, fill me full of words. But <laughs> So you've got the UN uh, on Earth. You've got the Martians on Mars. Matt Damon. And then there are these cr- the group of called Belters, who are your miners, ice miners. In the asteroid belt. In the asteroid belt. Oh, yeah. yeah yep. And uh, is there the astro- are three factions, basically. Is the asteroid belt, like, really... Full of rocks, and you can see them all floating around. Or are no, they, well, oh, good because that's accurate. Because apparently, yeah. the Astro Belt is hardly anything there. Yeah, they're, they're they're, there. they've really yeah. gone for. They've really impressed me with their authenticity. I think, given that it's you know f- sci-fi, yeah. as authentic as it can be, considering we're not there yet. But uh, no, I really enjoyed it, and it's got Thomas Jane in it, oh, who uh, was the was the, the best good, Punisher, the best Punisher, the best Punisher, yeah, the Punisher. I mean, one None of, the of that movies. Dolph Lundgren crap. Yeah, see, I, I bailed on the the Punisher movies because they weren't doing it for me after I'd oh, read the comic. This was, I was, a, I was a comic Volta. book. I was so into, I was so into the Punisher. But there was one and two with that, wasn't there? No, this was before. Um, no, this is the the second one. So yeah, so Dolph Lundgren did the original, which was just rubbish. Oh, I don't know if I and saw And then that. Thomas Jane reprised yeah. the role. It did a great job. It had John Travolta in it as yeah, a I bad saw that guy. One. Yeah, and th- that was a, that was a good that was a good Punisher. Based on Garth Ennis's um, graphic novel. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Oh, I see. No, so I had Punisher, so. Punisher Max. Oh, I love yeah. that. That was so good. And Garth Ennis, is just, he's got that down. And it's great. The rest of the cast, you know, I wouldn't know them from a bar of soap, but uh, I knew who Thomas Jane was. And that was good enough to get me in because he was in The Mist, Stephen King's The Mist. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's... Which, that was a, another yeah. great movie. Great, great read, too. But, uh, yeah, so that's what I've been watching. In, in, I've excluded everything else. That's all I've been watching for the last couple of yeah. weeks. Hey, you, know, you mentioned Martians and stuff. I mean, I don't think I've said it on this podcast. I have got an almost unnatural sickness for The Martian. Like, yeah, a Matt Damon movie. You're down with the poo potatoes? Oh, I love all that stuff, man. <laughs> I, like, I, I watched the movie, and then I watched it again. Then I got the audio book. Then I got the book. And I've listened to that wow. audio book so many times. If if I've got, I've got to keep my mind active all the time, otherwise I go bonkers. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm filling it with the audiobook of The Martian. Yeah, right. It, I just love it. It's, the, even though it's a little bit formulaic in the structure of the book, you know, you have like a... It's like a textbook? You have like a stasis point where on the, we're on Martian, you have a turning point, an accident happens, and then you have critical incidents all the way along the way of your quest, your journey to the end and the reversal mm. and the resolution. And it's all absolutely perfect, but none of it seems out of place. I'm starting to think it's the perfect novel. Wow. <laughs> and it's such a big call. I know. Um, it was Ignatius, um, 
Ignacy Treswick or Andy Weir that wrote it. I think. <laughs> no, well, he's he uh, he's his game's coming out relatively soon called First Martians, yeah. which I think is going to be measured against. Funny enough, it's, uh, you know, board game being measured against a movie. Oh, is there a um, movie for that? No, no, it's it's, it's, oh, it's completely unrelated. To, right. But it's a Robinson Crusoe. It is the Robinson Crusoe story, basically. Yeah. And so there's no Man Friday in The Martian. No, there no. isn't. But I don't know if there is in First Martians, but we'll uh, find out when it comes out. I'll tell you. We should do a Mars episode, man. We should, and do Red Planet. You seen there that are one? so that many games beautiful. based yeah. on Mars. Yeah, okay. especially this year. Essen was just filled with games about Mars. Yeah. Because it's because we're going there, fellas. That's why. We're going. <laughs> we're we're going. going. We'll be doing a podcast from Mars before we know it. Maybe 2019. I did no? sign up to the one, uh, the one Mars project. Did you? Did yeah. you get selected? No. Yeah, you were in shock and physical no, state. No, they did though. offer me to... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all that problem. coughing. They, all they, that running away from zombies. Me. And the fact that I couldn't... Uh, I woo-hoo. Couldn't woo-hoo probably. At the beginning of a podcast. Yeah, yeah you need to woo-hoo that to be able to get on out. Mars. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, So that's what I've been watching. What I've been playing is something completely different. Now, when I rocked up here, you were playing Magic the Gathering. Magic Jewels, yeah. Yep, Jewels. Now, I've had enough of Magic Jewels. It, it annoyed me so much you that need to I, go back to I it, got man. rid of it. Get it on the console, play it. No. It's great. No, no. Oh, don't be like Because that, I've man. found something else. Go on. I've found something better. I've you have found something woman. that has held my interest and has got me playing it every single day like some sort of weird religion. It's the Pokemon TCG. Really? I'm playing Pokemon on the iPad. Oh, on good my for you. IPad. It's, it's an undiscovered country oh. as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how to go into that. It's so easy. It, and I'm learning. I've never played the game before. So no. basically I've gone in as a, as a noob. Yeah. And I, I now think if there's a Pokemon League going on at uh, Good Games, I could enter as a, as a rookie. Yeah. And uh, probably and, take that thing out. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Coming in swinging. I want to see that happen. It's all, you know, it's all earning coins and challenges and things I'll, like I'll that pay as well. For you. I'll pay for you to go into the next edge. <laughs> I want to see what happens now. Awesome. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> it does. But uh, I, I've really fallen in love with this game. And the only reason it came about was because uh, my son got a went shopping with the wife and came back with a booster a pokemon I know kids booster do that, don't they? they just they just want a booster pack i think he of stole pokemon. it but i think he actually bought it but uh in there was a promo card where you got an online code for pokemon tcg I mm. thought, hmm, well, it'd be a shame to let that go to waste. Is that with the little QR code thing? And you scan, is that what's that? Yeah. Yeah, it's about, yeah, 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 yeah. QR code, yeah. So I thought that'd, that'd well be... well implemented as well, the online game. Yeah, mm. it is. It's very well implemented. And so I thought, oh, well, it would be a shame to let that go to waste. So I downloaded the app, uh, entered the code, got what, my free boosters. Uh, iOS. Okay. And I, I guess Android, I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, you weren't doing it on the console; you were doing no, it on the iPad. No, it's on the so. iPad. And uh, yeah, I haven't stopped playing it since. And uh, I've got, I've got my uh, Pikachu deck, and I've gone, and I've gone into home brewing and that sort of thing. And and in Magic Jewels, it can take time for you to get a match up, right? It can sometimes that little. Well, wheel no, because is just now they around. have a really good solo play against AI. I mean, the hard level is beat very. Is, is nine times out of ten beatable. So but sometimes you want to see how you stack up against other players. And oh, yeah. Pokemon, the TCG, makes it really easy. I haven't waited longer than 
oh, I don't know, 10, maybe 15 seconds oh, okay. before I'm in a matchup. And then the games are so, the matches are so quick yeah. that I'm on to the next one and then the next one. And pretty soon I've flattened my battery. I've done no dishes and... Uh, How I've many got dishes? Extra... There always seems to be dishes at your place. How many <laughs> there are dishes? Always are dishes at my place. Oh my god! It's just I, I live at the sink. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a bed somewhere. I don't know where Near it is, sink. but I have a sink. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's me. That so that's pretty much that in school reports. Is uh, uh, you've nearly you've life. nearly sucked up all our geek in week time. That's so I've got to throw over to Hurstville and find <laughs> out what's been happening over there. What have you been doing, uh, Jamie? Well, Blood Bowl came out today. I love Blood Bowl. We all love. So Everyone much. loves Blood Bowl. It's a classic. I've opened up my box. I've assembled all my miniatures. I've been reading over the rules. I'm ready to play. What, who are the, what are the teams in the box? Uh, you get humans and orcs. Oh, that's the classic. Yeah. yeah they are. They're, they're the classic fantasy races for just about anything, really. Yeah. But uh, in Blood Bowl, they're, they're very much, you know, the two guys that you want. you got your sort of agile, do a little bit of everything humans, and your big, beefy... Yeah. We just want to hit you. We don't care about the ball orcs. So who else have we got? Like elves, Skaven, the usual teams? So there's a supplement out that has rules for uh, elves, Skaven, um, Chaos. Um, and there's the promise we've seen miniatures. Oh, sorry, and dwarves. Dwarves are in there oh, as well. Oh, yeah, dwarves. And uh, we've seen miniatures around some of the trade shows that tell us that there's more coming down the line as well. So... Uh, have they incorporated a lot of the um, the homegrown uh, rules that people have been making up all of these years to keep the whole league and everything alive? The they match up very well, actually. Um, I've just been reading over, and they've. It looks like Games Workshop has taken a lot of those rules on board. Yeah, and uh, made the game a lot better. Oh, that's good because they owe a lot to those to those guys that have been keeping that stuff alive. Really, because if definitely do. if the world operated as per Games Workshop, Blood Bowl would have been dead. 10, 15 years ago, right? 15 years ago, that's right. Well, as soon as it fell into their specialist games, it started to wane, you know. And It's a shame. I don't understand it because they've come up with so many great games over the years and then just not maintained it. Like, you know, when uh, mm. they did a re-release of, um, I wasn't, you know, the, like the Space Hulk. Yeah. They did a re-release of that and I was like, I need to get a copy of that. By the time I got down looking for it, all sold out, all gone, it had finished. And then it's just disappeared for the next however long. You know, well, I have some good news for you, David. Yeah. They're re-releasing Space Hulk for Christmas this year. Oh, for Christmas this year? Yep. Wow, I thought they'd give it a bit of time. So they've got Blood Bowl and Space Hulk on top of each other. That's right. Space Hulk releases in two weeks, I'm pretty sure. Wow, that's amazing. I had so much fun with that game, honestly. That was so much fun. Oh, it's great. It's like the... Honestly, this is the thing. Games Workshop, you know, for all the... Over the last few years, they've their star has gone down a little bit. Yeah. They've made so many great games over the years. So many things that I grew up on, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, those... I mean, Blood Bowl and Space Hulk were just two of the games that we just used to play... You know, ad infinitum, it was just yeah. forever. Afternoons just gone and just playing it over and over and over and over again. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's bizarre that they've... Yeah, it's, it's good that they brought it, bringing them back. I, I guess when you look at the, the current climate in terms of the white miniature, miniatures production these days with the resin and, and their, their fine cast line and the, the, just the quality of minis coming out in these games these days, I guess... You look at back at those old ones, you know, like you, I've got old Space Hulk, I've yeah. got old Blood Bowl. They look very, by, by today's Everyone's standards, the they, look, they look really poor by 
today's yeah. standards. They wouldn't stack up. So Wait, yeah, when you look at the old Blood Bowl, everyone's got the same posture, everyone, yeah. every, every, same stance. But yeah. I look at the like even the Mantic stuff, mm. which I say even I reckon the Mantic stuff, the, the stuff that they're putting out now is fantastic. You know, yeah. like all of those, like Matt and I have been painting up the uh, Walking Dead miniatures, you know, and they're amazing. You know, all individual, all the zombies look different, all the characters yeah. look different, and yeah, fantastic. That makes it competitive. So yeah, I mean they've got to stay competitive. Yes, their price point's quite high, but people are willing to pay it because they've gone back they've re they've basically stripped their product bare and come up with these awesome new sculpts that are worthy you know that they are, have are, to are if, if they're going to charge if they're going to charge that kind of price for it they have yeah. to come out with some you know they have to be saying we're, we're the quality we're the ultimate quality that everyone else aspires to be because that's always been their thing really is that no matter no matter how they were doing the quality of their miniatures has always been top notch. You know, you you know when you're opening up Games Workshop that you're getting exactly what you can see on the box. Yeah. As an old school gamer though, Jamie, do you still feel a bit of a loss when you get plastic models? Are you a hardcore metal guy fan? Like I definitely no, I'm, I'm, I definitely I'm not am. That bad, to be honest. I, I know guys who are. Yeah. I'm I'm more about the game itself than the minis. I, I like minis and I like painting them, but it's it's a hobby, not a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 just, I just love to have weight in my figure. As I'm moving miniatures across the tabletop, I love it if they're heavy. Uh, that's yeah, a, there's something nice about it. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely thing. Um, oh, what have I been doing? All right, I did a bit of um, I, I, uh, like nerd homework. I haven't watched – oh, I'm wearing the Ghostbusters T-shirt. Yeah. But I haven't watched the girly Ghostbusters yet, even though my six-year-old daughter says it needs to happen. I watched two – I watched Suicide Squad. Oh, and I left my phone up at the house with all my notes on. Uh, no, no, so, it's right there. It's behind it? the, right over there. <laughs> Nobody um, else can see it. We can. I can. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that out loud then, should I? Fourth wall. Off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, no, I watched Suicide Squad uh, last night. Have you seen it, Matt? No, I haven't. All right. No. Well, I, I, I'm imagining, Jamie, you're a fan, right? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't much seen as I wanted it. to. No. I just haven't found time. Yeah, look, I think at heart, I'm a DC guy. The characters that they have are the characters that I'm drawn to. And in this show, they have Joker, who I'm drawn to. Harlequin, I'm drawn to. I like how they come together, drawn to. Yeah. Uh, even Deadshot, Will Smith, you'd think. Some people don't really like that guy. I, I kind of liked him. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, it's like they, there's great characters there. And then the film just doesn't support him at all. I, I know going into it that everyone says it's a flop movie. And you had such high hope for Captain Boomerang, didn't you? I hate Captain Boomerang. Uh, <laughs> I hate him with a passion. I thought he was much better in Mad Max 2 or wherever he was, you know, when he was the you know, the little guy that ran out of the, the hole and threw his boomerang. At, <laughs> yeah, he was much better <laughs> yeah. as a kid. He's an embarrassment. Wow, that was him. Yeah, I have, right. I've got no... No allegiance with any kind of nation, all right? But as someone who's got no allegiance to any kind of nation and lives in Australia, he was an embarrassment to Australia because <laughs> he, like, he was a Hollywood Australian guy and he was yeah. just, oh, it was, it was so lame. But I felt like the whole movie just lacked some sort of gravitas. You know, you had these really cool characters that you felt were meaty and had stuff in them. And then when they put, played out the story, which was super lame, um, it just didn't hit you, hit hit home at all. Now, remind me, this is the one where when they released the first cinematic trailer, 
it yeah. was a completely different movie. Something basically. happened like that, didn't it? Like it was a super dark movie and then Daredevil, no, Deadpool came out and they went, oh, we want it to be funny like that. And then they said, oh, no, we're not doing that. We're not making it funny like that. And they reworked it and then this movie came out. It seems super formulaic and mm. uh, I, I just got lost. And so I, I put it here. I, th- I thought it was disjointed, but um, I thought Jared Leto was unused, underused. I think he did really well. I've got, I've got a suspicion he had that character down, and it just didn't. Yeah, right. You never got him, not got to see him be the Joker. He had little flashes in and out that were really, and it was terribly edited as well. You had these things where you know they'd all be standing around laughing, and then it would cut, and they'd all be walking down the street somewhere, and you're like, "What happened there? They're all sitting around <laughs> having a laugh, and now they're walking down the street." It's like it was weird. And then there was, and then the ending was poorly conceived, and then there was a second ending which inferred the sequel. You know how they've always got to have the yep. oh, the sequels coming. Um, and then there was an additional third ending. And if you didn't, this is this is not a spoiler, but Batflex in it. He makes his odd appearance just to say, you know, it's like they're trying to do that. It's like DC are oh, going. Oh, so he wasn't in it. He wasn't in the movie proper. Not proper. Oh, he right. had some flashes in, you know, where um, Deadshot, oh, I always wanted to shoot to shoot the Batman. And he had this thing where he imagined it or it sort of got told to him that that had happened. And he's like, oh, that's great. I killed the bat, you know. Oh. And, then, and then there was a, in the third ending, Batfleck looked like uh, his face had been melted off on the right-hand side. I don't know if he'd had a bad day. I don't know what... what um, Ben's been up to, and then, and and then again they flashed in Aquaman. They're really saying Momoa's doing it. He's coming, whether you like it or not. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. You know what's really funny is my my wife loves the yeah. fact that Jason Momoa is playing Aquaman. She doesn't know anything about Aquaman or so she doesn't know she's wrong superheroes or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. She just think she just knows that Aquaman that that Aquaman being Jason Momoa is a good thing. Yeah. Hey, it might be. He might come and surprise us all, but he looks so lame in whatever that movie was where he came flying out of the Titanic or whatever it was. Was that Batman vs. Superman? <laughs> yeah. Was that that one? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was embarrassing. Yeah. Look, I've, I've never seen him be bad in anything, really. Yeah. Oh, no, nothing against the act. I mean, Jared Leto is amazing, and he came across as kind of just like a... Like it was like a splash page. It was like it was a movie happening. Then every and again, splash page. There's Jared Leto and whoever played Harlequin. Boom! And it's like, wow, that looks cool. Oh, oh but let's go back to the shitty movie that you were watching earlier on. It's like, oh, okay, let's do that. Is it Margot Robbie or something? Yeah, something like that. Good memory, man. Oh, uh, you know, give it time. The Marvel Cinematic Universe started with the Incredible Hulk, so you know. Yeah, it'll get there. You can only go up, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm. Uh, Going to get to at least one superhero flick over the holiday season might be Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange or yeah. it might be. I mean, look, all else is going. Rogue One's going to take the cake. It's going to be all out. That's, yeah, that's the you one gotta I go will and see, see. The Star Wars one, but I will try and pop in and see one at least one hero flick. Yeah. All right. Just before so we one, one quick last thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I finished building my Lego Ghostbusters firehouse. Oh wow! Oh, I'm so it's buying so much that. Fun. It's huge. It's got ghosts coming out of it all over the place. It's got furniture inside. I can it's see. Good. I can see my Ghostbusters yeah. um, Ecto Ecto One. I so want to get the building. I've currently got yeah, the Ecto One fits perfectly inside. It's, oh, it's so... <laughs> I gotta have it. I gotta have. It. I've got the. <laughs> I've just ordered my Tie Fighter. It should be right. I was hoping it would arrive for the weekend because I was just gonna. 
sit here and build it all all weekend because I've got yeah. the big X wing. I just wish they had a super big Millennium Falcon. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say it of the same scale. <laughs> It'd be yeah. huge, but I just I just need to have that. Um, They've got the big fancy Slave One. Oh, oh really? yeah, that's oh, yeah, that's God. cool. My my son's got that, so we're not buying that again. These sound like collectors' <laughs> things. They are. You build them once, which yeah, and then you never let your kids near them again. Yeah, exactly. There's uh, there's a really good little ATST model out at the moment. Okay, is it the same sort of scale though? I hate it when there's different scales. Yeah, it's it's certainly not the same scale as the, the big X things. Yeah, because that's huge. We're looking at Mike the uh, one. It looks really good. I'm really impressed with it. Yeah, if you haven't checked it out, listener, go go get on lego.com. You can you can roll there. You can get stuff for cheaper by ordering it directly off their site and get a whole bunch of really cool stuff and hard to find stuff as well. It's so much better than just going down Target or Kmart and just taking your chances. Um, before before we move off and away from Weekend Geek, um, I would like to say thanks to the universe, hippie people, for uh, the universe threw a supermoon for us just to round out the uh, Mansions of Madness month. Oh, isn't that perfect timing? I thought it... I, 14% bigger. No, well, you know, hippie talk, you, know, you throw the energy out there and the universe, you know, kind of acknowledges your worthlessness and throws a supermoon back at you. Do you know, I went, and I went with... With my family, thinking we'd the, be the only ones to go and see it up in Kings Park. To the supermoon. Yeah, we went yeah. to the supermoon. And turns out that, no, going to the supermoon was a popular thing to do that day. Across all suburbs. Yeah. yeah. So I just went up there with the kids to Kings Park and played Pokemon Go. <clears throat> All right. Hey, well, listener, you've made it this far. Uh, Christopher Chung, the designer of lanterns, will be with us later in the show. And he's going to provide us some behind-the-scenes info on lanterns, so stick around for that. And uh, I think we just get out the guitars and crank some music, fellas. Hey, win! Win! Lotus and lanterns. Sounds like one game. It's not one game. That's two games, listener. Lotus and Lanterns sounds like Dungeons and Dragons. L L O L. I just wish I could get what would O be? Uh, also Lotus and Lanterns. Anyway, win Lotus and Lanterns for commenting <laughs> on the Facebook page for this show. That's episode eighty. Woohoo! Arbitrary mal- milestone klaxon just went off. We're nearly at five hundred. We're nearly at five hundred. Thanks, bam, Facebook. Bam, bam. Uh, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand, but I'm sure you found your way here via Facebook, most likely. Hopefully. We'll announce last month's winner of Mansions of Madness uh, later in Neats and Twos, but for now, uh, just consider the terrifying stuff that went on, on last month, and it'll be a huge win for someone. Mm. Um Every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game review. This month, though, in the run-up to Christmas, you can get a discount on two games, Lotus, Space, and Space Lanterns. It sounds like one game. It isn't. The game Lotus, 10% off. The game Lanterns, 10% off. And that's while stocks last. So Good Games is giving uh, you guys, Seven Land Hand listeners, 10% off both games. All you have to do is walk into your local Good Games store and state this month's password, fellas. Koi Pond. For the next four weeks. Koi Pond. Koi Pond. Sounds like coupon. Coupon. Well, it's just, you know. Which works. That works. That works. Hand in your Koi Pond coupon um, at any Good Games store. And there's no other special requirements. Maybe wear a kimono. I'm just wondering. Thongs. 
Thongs that happen. I've seen that happen quite a lot. Yeah, but we're actually, it's a bit of a, a Chinese Japanese fusion, though. It is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So maybe dress tie. <laughs> Does that work? All right, before we get any more racialist, uh, <laughs> that's while stocks last, everybody. So get in quick. Once they're gone, they're gone. Okay, on with the show. Welcome back. Welcome back to the garden. Hi. Welcome back to the garden. Oh, it feels like we need some muse music. All is Not muse serene. like as in English. Oh, I don't know. I'd play muse in a garden. No, like muse music as in Aaron Graham, premonitions. <laughs> Do the penny whistle, <laughs> True. you know, and that stupid instrument that Kai brought down last time as Where well. Where is he? Where is he? He's not. He's certainly oh, not playing Lotus. I haven't. Got, you, you just chance it. If he's there, he's there. You get him. But well, yeah, we, we've we've journeyed into a um, Oriental garden here, haven't we? Yep. To play Lotus, the board game, and it's, it's is it a board game? Is it a card game? It's a strategic card placement game. Yes, and much. Oh, if you look at Monstrous being a strategic card placement game. Oh yeah, well, it's a very pretty series of pictures of flowers. Yeah, but before you tune out, listener, <laughs> let's <laughs> dig in a little bit. So, what's the narrative of this game, really? Is what what are we playing? Okay. So, the Lotus Garden, yeah, has preserved its secret for centuries. It's an undiscovered fountain of eternal life and everlasting wisdom. That's I guess right. it's this some sort of about analogy. The quest. For the secret of life itself. It. It's that stuff that the, uh, at the clinic where I work, uh, the social workers talk about all the time, but never really give you any info. <laughs> Is that what we're saying? It's that, it's that drug in the cabinet that Oh, makes... we've got those at the clinic as well. <laughs> yeah, that makes those feelings <laughs> yeah. come and go. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, I guess we're like gardeners of some description. Uh, Seekers help... of enlightenment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to go with gardeners because we actually grow and then pluck. Well, the the, uh, the the elevator pitch talks about, you know, achieving true enlightenment by... That's the kind of what they're... You know, the narrative that they're laying yeah. over this. Uh, it, it is quite easy just to fall straight through the narrative because mm. I haven't got a true grasp on what the narrative for this game is. But um, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to do that chilled out, let's nurture a few flowers, let's... Um, be strategic about things. Let's have particular. They've called like the insects guardians to mm. to weight things a little bit differently. Yeah, there's a seedier side to this game. A little bit of an underbelly. Seedier. See what you did yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And Where what's that? Everybody's coveting these flowers for themselves. If it's the answer, yeah. if it's enlightenment and uh, and everlasting wisdom. But I want that enlightenment and everlasting wisdom. I don't want you to have that. I sense competition, Matt. I don't want you to have that either, Jamie. Yeah. I want to have it to myself. So it's enlist- a bit rude of you. No, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's very Buddhist of me. Is it? <laughs> I think it's in So before opposition. you grab that perfect flower out of the garden, you want to make sure you're going to get it. You yeah. want to nurture it, build it, make sure it will grow it, and then grab it before anyone else does, right? Call on the guardians to help you so that you can... Mm. Pluck its wisdom. All right. So, how do we go about this? So, what does it look like on the table? We've got cards. We would draw yeah. a card, a handful of cards. Yeah. There are four. Well, there are four player decks. So, every, yeah. every each player selects one of the four colors: red, yellow, blue, green. And with that comes a selection of cards in your nominated color. Yeah. But on the reverse of those, or rather on the face 
are all different types of flower petals, yeah. lotus petals. Well, not, not necessarily lotuses, but flower petals. And what, what I like about them as well, they've got a little little drawn thing to, like a little, what was it, a little guide to show you how many petals there are to yeah. that flower as well. Yeah. Uh, so the, there's the iris, the primrose, the cherry blossom, the lily, and the lotus. And each of them vary in size. So the, the iris, for example, is a three-petal flower, flower, which means you need to, to complete the flower, you need to place, place three, three cards. cards. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly simple. If you want to grow the lotus, yeah. on the other hand, you need, it's a seven-petal flower. That's a champion flower. Yeah, yeah. And the one flower that the game is named for. Yeah. So you go about, you're playing, you've got these cards, you've drawn a few into your hand, you've got a deck that you're playing from, and it's your own unique deck. But then there's also a, there's a section of wildflower cards, which are all of those types of flowers, but they're like a community. And they, they don't have the little marks on them that show you no. which they team they belong your, to. They don't your coloured marks on them, yeah. which the other cards do. They're, they're more for helping collect they're set collection tools, basically. So they they enable you to finish the flower that you're building, but they don't give you any points themselves or they can't help you win the points. Yeah, they don't give any flower. weighting to that no. flower in particular, do they? No. So, so, so obviously, like if you were saying that the the uh, the iris has three petals, petals to it, yep. if you've got two of those petals or a heavier weighting and then somebody else puts down their card to finish it off... They win it. They win it, but they haven't got control of that flower, no. right? So there's two things that you're up for. One of them is to win the, the to complete the flower. Yeah. You get then the points for completing the flower at the end of the game. That's an end of game thing. Yeah. Uh, but immediately there you... are points thrown to the person who had the most uh, influence on that flower. So, yeah. And that's where the guardians come into play. So each of the cards has a little symbol, and it might be in your guardian's color so and if if you have a, a flower petal that has your guardian's color on it then immediately that's represented that's influence for you yeah so the more of those that you accumulate on the flower the more influence you have and you're going to get the points the guardians are these little insects that you can use to supplement those points so if it's quite a close thing so let's say and those guardians are little Iconic, yes. uh, what would you call them? Butterfly. Like me- butterfly meeples. Yeah, they're meeples, yeah, but they're, they're in the shape of, of yeah. insects. Insect. Uh, which, which, which are uh, a applicant to your team. Yep, yep. Yeah. So there's the butterflies, the, the ladybugs, the dragonflies, and the caterpillars. So yep. these are insect guardians, two per player, and you can place those out on the petals yeah. uh, as you see fit. And that will give you an extra influence. So if you're running into a tie situation... Throw out your throw out, throw your, out your guardian, and then you can sway the tie. Yeah, and you get the points. And but even if, even if you didn't complete the flower arrangement, you still get the points for having the most uh, most influence. Yeah. And, and what what does that get you? Because there's a there's two choices there, isn't there? That gives you a, a choice. You can either pick yourself up uh, an elder guardian in your color in your uh, yeah your meeple it's not your style, color, but your meeple style. Yeah, because yeah, there's silver. Yeah, uh, or you could choose a special power token, and that, that and that that elder guardian is worth two points as opposed to one. Is that correct? That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, back up. I think I, I messed that up a little bit. So you can you've got the choice of taking a power token. So there are twelve power tokens, four for each of the each power, uh, 
and I'll get to what they are in a moment. Yeah. Which gives you a spe- unlock a special ability. And one of the abilities is to unlock the Elder Guardian for yourself. Uh, the other thing you can choose to do is to take a scoring token worth five points. So immediately you can take five points and to add to your cumulative total or you can unlock a special power which gives you in-game benefits for the rest of the game. Now I went heavy on those. I, I really yeah. like going for those, yeah. So there are... Uh, let me just find the page. The I'm trying to find what the uh, powers are. Jamie, do you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so one of them is the ability to hold an extra card in your hand. Oh, uh, the cool. second is the ability to play down as many petals as you want to onto any one flower on your turn. And the third is to unlock your Elder Guardian. Right. Oh, I found them. They've got names. So the Elder Guardian, which we described, the Enlightened Path allows you to hold five petal cards instead of four. And the that's, inf- hand, that's the hand that you're that's holding. That's the hand size, yeah. yep. And the Infinite Growth card is the one that allows you to play three or more cards during the play pedals action. Now, we haven't spoken about the actions, but... And as a magic play, you yeah. think card advantage here is just massive, you know? It's like you can really swing it. That's why I felt like I went for those cards earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that in pro tips. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so the actions, that there are three types of three actions that you can choose for the game. You can play pedal cards where you get to play one or two pedal cards from your hand on a single flower in the Lotus Garden. So you can't spread them out. They have to be played to the same flower. Yeah. So you can close out a flower. If it's two petals short of finishing, you've got those two petals in your hand, bang, bang, you're done. Yeah. If you're two petals short of a full garden, then that's the time to play them. Which also gets you in the pro tips for later on as well. Cool. It's like don't go setting someone up. If you feel like <laughs> they might have the two petals to close out the yeah. flower, don't go setting them up too short of the, of the completion. There you go. Uh, you can, as another action, you could exchange pedal cards. So you could place one or two of your pedal cards from your hand, place them to the bottom of your player deck, which is the, the deck that you're drawing from, and draw a matching number of new cards from the top. So take two cards out of your hand, put them at the bottom of your deck, and draw the next two cards. There's no shuffling involved. No. Except and initially. you will get to the bottom of that deck as yeah. well, Magic players, with, you know, for, for some yeah. referencing Magic again. And that's a good thing. And the final action is move a guardian. So you can take one of your guardians, your insect guardians, and you can place it on any incomplete flower in the lotus garden. Yeah. Uh, either. And that's what we were talking about earlier on, about giving yeah. you that extra weighting on a yep. flower. And you could there's two ways you could use that. You could take it from your personal supply to put it out onto a flower, or you could, in fact, move it from one flower to another. If you see that you're going to lose a flower, perhaps... Uh, mm. You can shift it to another one, yeah, in hopes of maybe swaying the balance. And those are the actions. That that's essentially that's the game. Yeah, but I feel it goes a lot deeper than that as well, though, doesn't it? I mean, I, uh, usually what we cover now is uh, like an ex- expansions, but you know, going straight beyond that. So I don't think there's any expansions yet. This no. is red hot off the no, press. This is, this is it. Um, yeah, we're getting into there's It's that how how deep does the level of strategy go on this game i know jamie you've played it with uh more pl- matt and i've just played it together as a two-person game you played it three and four player game it's a and you said it's a different game absolutely as a four-player game it's very very tactical because you've got up to four people on the same flower all contributing their uh their guardian symbols and uh so it's not only 
tricky to win your your flowers, but it's sort of political at times about who you're going to let win the other flowers. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lot in it as a as a four player game. Um, I've played it with with less players, and I found that it's a little bit more mechanical that way. Right. Which is yeah. Which how how soon do you think that the um what are the what are the um paths to enlightenment called the the extra cards? Oh, the the uh, tokens. The yeah, the card tokens. How soon do they become critical? Because when Matt card. Matt and I were playing, <clears throat> I had a, I had a thing. I would go for those sooner rather than later. Are they, yeah. Do they become more critical in the the multiple player game? It makes a big difference. Yeah, um, I think. I think in general, in either in either format, you should probably be chasing those cards as early as possible mm. because you want to be spending your late game plays just racking up the five point tokens. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Well, what I found though was uh, because there are four of uh, there are three of those uh, special power tokens, uh, but there's there's three for each player, so. If you're going for those tokens, no one's going to obstruct you from getting them. You're going to Absolutely get those three not. if you want to play that way. And it, but the thing is, everybody else has the, uh, the ability to get them as well. So there's no, I guess, all the blocking. But you're at a disadvantage if you don't get them, though. That that very Surely. early on, I think you could be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think so. That's at least that's the way you beat me twice. Yeah, because and you were going for those cards. Because I tokens. thought I thought instant that sort of magic mentality. You know, where you think if I if I can draw more cards than you, if I've got more cards to choose from, I'm going to have an advantage. I'm going to win. So if I've got um, five cards to pick from and you've got four cards, there's more chance mm. that I'm going to have those two petals which are the same yeah. to close out that flower and then get the reward if i've only got four cards maybe there's, there's that extra chance that i don't i can't do that yeah um so that that's that's the approach i took to it you know i, yeah. I thought yeah card advantage it's a pretty powerful thing in magic maybe that works in yep. lotus whatever you draw up so once you've you've drawn up your initial cards and you've you've started creation you've started creating your flower you then need to draw back up to four so there are two places this can come from. One is from your player deck. So you draw from your player deck until you reach four cards. Or alternatively, yeah. you could draw them from the wildflowers. Now, the wildflowers are open information yeah, to everyone. Yeah, it's like a trade, trade row sort it, of thing. It is. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So you can take what you need, but then you kind of, you're flashing to everybody else, yeah, what this is taking. what I'm trying to finish. Yeah. You know, so it's a big thing of information. And then it becomes a race. You're, you're hoping that your opponent doesn't have those matching cards there they are in limited supply yeah so you know you've got you've got exactly the same number of pedal cards as your opponent does in the same configuration in the same quantities uh so i guess what could be a little bit of a table turner is the is the wildflower selection where there is only a limited supply number of those cards but if you take those then you're increasing the number of petals of that type that you have. Yeah, so and I you're tipping everyone else off. That that's what you're going for, like you yeah. said. Yeah, you are. But at the same time, especially if you've picked up the special power to play as many petals as you want to of a single color, you end up being able to dump most of a flower on your turn. Yeah, that's true. Look, I, like I, th- I think I think it's a lovely game of very. It seems very simple, and there's not a lot to it, but. 
there's a lot to it when you start competing against people that can really think it through. And that's, yeah, you know, I, I loaned this out to, uh, to Aaron uh, from the Magic Podcast real quick because I thought he's going to love this game and I think he'd get a lot out of it. It's, it's not a game that I'm going to get a lot out of because I don't, I don't get into the theme, you know. That was Rewind a Month, Fair you know, enough. Mansions of Madness. Give me lots of horror. I'm there, right? Yep. But this, I thought, this Aaron's going to be all over this. Uh, he hasn't played it yet. <laughs> so we wrote well, to him tonight. He likes, so. he likes Dominion, so. Yeah, he likes Dominion. I don't know how that reflects on that. That's a different sort of sort of thing again. But I think I think you could, you could get quite deep with this game, you know, and quite deep in a... I was going to say quite deep in a post-dinner party kind of game, you know. It's like if you've got yeah. gamers over for dinner and you want something reasonably thinky to follow <laughs> up dessert, you'd get you'd grab this out, I think, you know. I'd call it a, a casual uh, on the back patio in, some, in a very nice uh, garden game. <laughs> you'd yeah, have fun like in the garden. It, it's a, almost a work of art, isn't it? Just it how pretty yeah. it is. The, 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 the artwork is... Terrific! The flowers, uh, when they're constructed, they look uh, amazing on the table, especially when you've got multiple flowers set out there and close to completion. Because you know, as soon as they are completed, however, you've got, you, they get scooped up by the player that, that completed them. So it's it's a very clever little design thing yeah. where they've got the guide on the card to yeah. show you where the next card will go, so that you know if it's a three pedal one, a four pedal one, a five pedal one, whatever. You can tell. You can tell that there was a feminine influence in this game. Oh, I think. that's a big call. I well, think definitely. Well, th- I mean, obviously we know that it is because they, they, they're a couple. The, it was a yeah. mad couple. As so, and I think disclaimer that, alert above. <laughs> I could be talking to- totally out of turn. They're welcome to contact us and uh, and let me know. Yeah, but when you can, I think you can. The subtlety of the game, the uh, the aesthetic, I think that's a very um, in, in a partnership, in a collaborative partnership, you know, where one of them's. Feminine. I don't know. I don't I know think, how I you think get that. that. Yeah, Good I don't work. know. I don't know how you get that. But, um, no. I, I See, like get, I said, I could be t- talking completely out of base, but that's okay. You know what I get? You know, calling. You know, if we're gonna, if we're going to put ourselves out there, I get a very strong social worker uh, influence <laughs> in this game. You know, it's like the sort of stuff that <laughs> I get assaulted with by those guys on a regular that's an basis. Call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've talked to Jason over at uh, Newcastle store. I think he's a social worker. I love the artistic style of the game. It looks. It looks. It looks the part, you know, from the box design yeah. down to the manual, down to the individual cards themselves. Oh, it's beautiful it put is, together. There's and a lot of synchronicity amongst the... Tip of the, the hat components. to Renegade Games yeah, Studios. Sure. They've put a beautiful product together here. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And yeah. speaking about them, I think later on in the cast, when we've talked about Lanterns, you'll see there's there's a consistent look and feel to their games that uh, that's very strongly reflected here. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost a shame we didn't... Their art assets. Yeah, we had we had Scott lined up for a um, Scott from Renegade Game Studio lined up for an interview for for the show, but uh, um, it's he just got busy at the last minute. I think it's so sh- too close to Board Game Geek Con. Yeah, Con. it's just a, it's a shame we couldn't like explore that um, yeah, what their ethos is and, and and where they're heading and and what sort of games they look for because that would have been really interesting. Um, yeah, uh, what, what else have we got to say about Lotus? Any any random pro tips you guys got floating around that uh, listeners could take into the game? The Look, my big, my big pro tip. You go, Jamie. Initially, a lot of people that I've heard or heard talk about the game 
look at the powers and they say, oh, play all the cards you want to, that's really good. Or holding more cards in your hand, that's really good. Very few of them ever look at the Guardian and go, oh, two points of Guardian, that's really good. Two points of Guardian is really good. Yeah. It can it can very much trump your opponent when they're not expecting it. And it's That's the it's Elder Guardian. But the the bottom line yeah. in terms of strategy, get those powers as quickly as you can. Yeah. You know, as much as possible, finish off the little flowers early in the game. Don't worry about the points because you'll have the chance to get them later once you've got yourself tanked up with power. Alright, so aim for the little flowers so you can scoop them and you can get the completion reward of getting the 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 extra the tokens in your hand. That's it. Yeah. Mine is uh give the family variant to go. I've been re- it's included on the back of the rule book, uh, where you can actually team up. So it's it, it kind of has this bridge feel to it where you're playing in pairs. So you're you're working with someone who sits opposite you and you can complete each other's flowers and things like that for a combined total. It just I think that give the fam give that a go, uh, if you've got four people. You know, I, I this this game, just in summing up for me, this game really takes me back to my early, early childhood first games that I played along the lines of Beetle and stuff like that that I played with Grandma, you know, when in the nineteen seventies. This is a sort of thing that I could imagine. I mean, it's a more beautiful rendition of what was out back mm. then. Yeah. But this is the sort of game that we would just would just come out and we would play and you know, you could really feel I know I feel a, a certain amount of nostalgia for this sort of game. You know, it's bizarre. I don't I don't know what it is about it, but it just feels like that 1970s playing with grandma kind of game. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying man. that in a slagging off kind of way. I'm, I love that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> it takes me, anything that takes me back to being a kid. I mean, geez, we're doing a games podcast. Yeah. We play games like crazy. <laughs> we're like big children. There's no, there's no denying it. <laughs> so anything, anything that takes me back game, to that. Sorry, Jamie? It's very much a family kind of game. It's just got that vibe of something you'd sit down and, and play with the kids. You know? Yeah, you're not smashing it. the you're not smashing the brains out of zombies. It's it's no. it's quite actually. You're right about that. I think Jamie. I think this could be a very good early introduction. Um, I'm just trying to find the beginning where it tells you the advice on who can play it, and it's uh, ages well, eight plus, which I think is yeah, that's about right. I'd probably I could I'd even go a little bit earlier than that. You can always knock a couple of years off yeah, if, sure. if your kids aren't complete dummies. You can always knock a couple of years off of it. I think, that, I think that's right. You know, you, you're sort of saying this is a game. It's it's beautiful and fun, but you know, here's a bit of strategy for you as well. It's like how yeah. does strategy work? You know, and someone can think or think their way through something. I if think you're going to introduce this to a, to a younger game player, first time game player, where would you go from this? What would be your next step? Well, the next one. Whew. It's hard without reflecting. Yeah. I think from here, you go to Latins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's Zing. almost like a segue, isn't it? We have got a Matt's quiz in between that, though. I don't know if you'd drag your kids through that, because that would be just, just <laughs> no, like a horrible thing torture. to do. But I think, I think any Pretty kind sure of gateway... against the Geneva Convention. Yeah. <laughs> I think any kind of gateway game is going to do it for you. You know, like you think Ticket to Ride. Uh, oh, I was thinking Ticket to Ride. Yeah, stuff like that. It's like there's... The element of strategy in this is kind of cool. You've got to think about what everyone else is thinking. Uh, if you did Ticket to Ride after this with the kids, 
and they had that what's everyone else thinking, then your Tickets Ride experience would have leveled up. Yeah. If you started with Tickets Ride and then went to this, yeah, that would work as well. But I think your Tickets Ride experience would be more like, mm. I'm just going to build my route from A to B and that's it. And yeah. Don't worry about everybody else. I think what in this case, you're building up the, the kid's capacity to sit at a table and play a game. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to play for approximately 30 minutes at the most for this. And then to go to Ticket to Ride where you could be sitting there for 30, 45. But in this, you're considering longer. what everyone else is doing and what yeah. you think everyone else is doing and looking for clues about what's their plan. That's true. Uh, which would, yeah, which is, yeah, actually, yeah, Ticket to Ride. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> All right. So we, we will we'll we'll jump out of this. Thoughts? Did you want to do final thoughts? I'm out of thoughts. I'm just going to say that I, while I did enjoy the game, I thought it's a great little game. I wasn't leaping out of my seat to play it again. So after we played it a couple of times, I was happy to put it back in the box. I wasn't yearning to bust it out again. You know, how did you feel about that, Jamie? I've actually found myself going and pulling it out a couple of times now. Mm. Um, I, uh, you know, at first it was just I wanted to try it out for the for the podcast, but uh, I think it's a really really unique theme, and it it's just. Not complex. It's a good sitting around having a chat kind of game. Exactly. I think that's. I think that's what the reticence in Matt and I playing. So, so when Matt and I sit down and playing it, yeah. it's like, do I want to get this game out and play it with Matt? Okay, I've played it. Uh, do I want to do that again? Well, if I'm going to sit down and play a game with Matt, I'm going to get out a different game to this. Um, but I'm excited about playing this with my wife and my kids and having that little just bit of. Yeah. Hey, let's just chill out and let's have a bit of fun with this, you know. Um, I don't think it's a dinner party game either. It's it's it's, no, it's, like it's, own, said, it's its own thing, you know. It really is lazy Sunday afternoon in the in Nana's garden. Yeah, there you but go. it doesn't even have to be <laughs> Nana's garden. Yeah, this is the game I'm going to bring out in 30, 40 years and play with my grandkids and go. All right, grasshopper, <laughs> chill out. We're going to play some Lotus. Yeah, that's it. As they zip up their. Um, their Starship Enterprise Federation uniforms and their IR headsets. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, VR headsets, yeah, I should jumpsuits. say. What's IR? Jumps. I, I don't know. No, I don't know either. All right. How about we hold call a halt to it now? Yep. We're going to do a Matt's, bit of Matt's quiz, and then as part of our Christmas bonanza special, we'll be right back after that with lanterns, and then Chris. And oh, there's so much ahead. Let's do it. <laughs> It's Matt's Quiz! Matt's Quiz! Matt's Quiz! This week, hosted by Matt. Yay! Yeah. Everyone's favourite quiz master is back. There you go. I'm here most time. Most you time. are. You're here every week. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so tonight, I've got for you my specially constructed, uh, well-lit lotus garden quiz. Tough gig this week. Lantons mm. and lotus. Lotus Tell and me lantons. About it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to stretch. Yeah. All right. Well, and then for... I wrote down some things. All right. Do it. All right. Uh, a little change of format tonight. There's only three questions. What? And no seven points. Well, each of those questions probably has seven points. The 20, 25 uh, multiple <laughs> choice questions. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. It's, it's just... Yeah. You are a teacher. You know that, Matt. I know. And I'm terrible at math. <laughs> all right. Um, so question one. <laughs> question one. Yeah. It's called higher or lower. Okay. All right. Okay. So, the Americans call this under or over, don't they? Higher or lower? <laughs> under or over? I think yeah. so. I think Above or below. Do. Isn't that what gamblers call it? 
Uh, anyway, we're not a gamble. Yeah, we're not a gambling podcast. All right, <laughs> that's that's let's a whole stick, different. Let's stick podcast. to what we know. Higher so. or lower? Question one: Higher or lower? Yeah, it'll make sense. How many species of orchid are there? Oh my god! Okay, so I'm going to. Oh. This is where you. My mum's got tons of them in her shed. <laughs> well, this is where you give me a figure. And yeah. I tell you higher or lower, then Jamie gets a turn, and I tell you higher oh, or lower. Oh, it's like, uh, what's that game with um, that they used to have on telly? Higher or lower? No, it wasn't called higher or lower. It had Larry Emder on it. Oh, and it was Price uh, is Right. Yeah, it was Price is Right. Yeah. And then yeah, it'll yeah. be so numpty where it would be like, oh, the number is between 553 and 555, and the person would go, uh, 556, and they'd go, sorry. <laughs> and then the person yeah. would go, 554. It's that kind of thing. So I'm going to throw to you, David. You give me a... A figure, first of all. All right. How many species of orchid do you think there are? I've got a problem with this, Matt, already. Hmm. This is slightly exciting, and this is a Matt's quiz, (laughs) which is notoriously dull. (laughs) Hey, I I got a cue from somewhere to say, let's spice it up. All right, well, look, I'm already there. 555. Higher. Jamie. Uh, One million. Lower. (laughs) <laughs> Much lower. Yeah. David. 2,500. Higher. Ooh. Jamie. Oh, it's much... Sorry, I thought he meant 555,000. <laughs> okay. Um, much lower. <laughs> Let's go with 20,000. Higher. Oh. David. Just as well you put that in there, Jamie. It could have taken me a while to get there. <laughs> so higher than 20,000. All right. Uh, but that's orchids have been busy, haven't they? Is this orchids we're doing? Orchids. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I thought you said lotus. That's why I was going for <laughs> five hundred fifty-five. All right. Uh, fifty thousand. Lower, Jamie. Uh, ooh. Uh, thirty-five thousand. Lower, David. What did he say? Thirty-five. Thirty-five thousand. All right. Um. <laughs> I love so it. You're writing it down. Right. David's writing it down. I know, because I don't want to be like one of those prices right numpties, especially after I've pointed it out. All right. 20,750. Higher. Oh, my God. Jamie. Uh, 28,000. Lower. Ooh, David. 28,000. All right. Um, 25,000. Higher. Jamie. <laughs> it's like you're trying to build suspense by holding on to it. All right, <laughs> we'll we'll cut to a commercial break. What, what was that? 26,500. Lower. David. Ooh, we've got a 15,000 bracket. All right, uh, 25,500. Lower. Jamie. 25,250. Higher. David. 25,300. Higher, Jamie. <laughs> 25,350. Higher, David. 25,400. We're getting David, good your price is right. Oh, really? Just 25,400? You're the closest. <laughs> I'm going to end it there because you know, you're know you pretty close without yeah. it getting silly. Yeah. 25,400. While the ballpark figure is there's between 25,000 and 30,000 varieties... The closest to an exact number I got was uh, 25,400. Wow. 
Thank goodness for uh, orchids having a nice round number. They'd, they'd be good on Facebook because <laughs> they've nearly got 500 followers. I'm pretty sure there were some units there. But yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, that was question one, higher or lower? Well, that was good. That was exciting for Ready a while. Ready for question two? I realized how boring it was when it just dragged on and on and on. But anyway, <laughs> no, good, good. Question two. <laughs> 20 questions. Higher or lower? <laughs> 20 questions. Are you no, a it's male? just a straight question. A popular Lantern Festival origin story. Superheroes. Hang on, in, what? A popular what? A popular Lantern Festival origin story. You've lost me. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Carry on. Push involves on. the Jade Emperor and the villagers who hunted and killed his favourite animal. Yeah. What was the favourite animal? Oh, this is and this be is where you get twenty questions. This is going to be oh, this is going to be Imperial China <laughs> thing. Yeah, uh, Jamie, you get the first right of the first uh, answer, right of response. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ooh. So you, right. can, you can ask a question, or you can give me an answer. Okay, so uh, it's got to be a yes/no question, right? Yes. Yeah. Does it have four legs? No. David, it's a, hang on. It's an animal. Favorite animal is. Is it a bird? Yes. Uh, Jamie. Uh, is it a phoenix? <laughs> no, David. Um, is it a bird of prey? No, Jamie. Is it a nightingale? No, David. He's just going for the straight-up questions, and I'm narrowing it down for him. That's fine. I'm sure he's <laughs> narrowing it for you, too, in It's a just way. Uh, not really by one <laughs> every time. All right. Um, so, hang on. This was a lantern thing. Correct. Which is China, right? Correct. We're in China. Oh, I should be saying yes. And it's uh, I not... think I've got to throw to Jamie now. Oh no no! I'm just I'm just clarifying <laughs> things in my for one. Oh sorry, self talk. So it's a it's a Chinese non bird of prey. Uh, I don't know what native birds I have. Uh, is it the international peace symbol for birdage? No. Okay. And that would be a dove. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going for. <laughs> I was trying to tee it up for Jamie just to go, is it a dove? <laughs> After my stupid tee up, yeah. All right, go on. Jamie, it's not a dove. Um, is it a flightless bird? No. David. Pigeon. No. Jamie. Uh, running out of birds now. <laughs> I, I'm really running out of birds at You're this You're not day. running out <laughs> of birds. <laughs> Chinese uh, birds. How I many? Um, maybe uh, if you asked a more I'm right out of birds. I got no idea. Maybe if you ask some more questions regarding birds. The only Chinese bird I know is that girl that runs the chemist down at the um, in Midland, <laughs> and she's the pharmacist, and she always argues with. Me. Oh, don't worry. No, it's not her. Yeah, it's not her. All right. <laughs> That's Can your you tell guess. me what bird it is? Fuck. <laughs> No, you've lo- that was your turn. Jamie. Well, my, my, turn. my guess was the girl down at Midland. <laughs> Pharmacist. You shouldn't oh. say everything that pops into your head. Yeah, I know. Jamie. Story of my life. <laughs> um, okay. I'm trying to think of birds. I'm trying to think of... Think about birds. Things that might give me clues to birds. 
Does um, this bird have a V-like shaped tail? No. <laughs> All right. Is, is it a sparrow? No. Oh, a sparrow. No, it's not a sparrow. Um, is this bird a something you eat? I should hope not. Uh, most most flying birds don't get eaten, do they? Have you noticed that? No. If, can, you, can you name any bird with flight that we actually eat? We're lazy. We only, only, um, only eat the birds that you can just grab off no, the ground. Well, quail. They just run around. Um, Does a spatchcock fly? <laughs> I knew some Benedictine monks that... I've never ate, eaten a Benedictine monk. <laughs> they ate <laughs> parrots. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, is it a parrot? Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, it's not I've a got parrot. One. Jamie? I've got one. Is it a stork? No. Oh, one of the weird birds like that. Is it pretty big? Is it a big bird? Yes. All oh, right. Oh, and it flies. Yes. It flies and it's big. Bloody hell. It's a big bug. Is it a pelican? No. And it's not a bird of prey. That's only two words. Stork and pelican are the only big things that take flight. <laughs> Everything else eats things. What the hell else uh, gets up I'm there? I'm enjoying this. What's big gets <laughs> up there and isn't a pelican or a stork? I think it's Jamie's it's, turn. A flamingo. It's a pterodactyl. <laughs> no, it's not a pterodactyl. Oh, the Chinese pterodactyl. <laughs> yes, beware of the Chinese pterodactyl. <laughs> they're, they're vicious. I, I hear the I hear the Chinese Imperial uh, Air this, Force is made up of pterodactyls. What was this? This was the the interna- This was the oh, uh, symbolic one. bird for these people. Yeah, was it of yeah. the Lantern Festival? How, I think we've passed twenty. Have we passed twenty? Oh, yeah, by about by, no, by about forty. We've gone well past twenty. Yeah. Okay, I think this is left. a draw. This it's, is a draw of failure. It's the crane. The crane. Oh, yeah, that's... Oh, it's just origami. What, yeah, or uh, water birds. I don't or know. Um, yoga or something like that. <laughs> the crane. All right. That's a point to me. Question th- or, or arguably... Oh, so it's one to me, one to Matt, and zero to <laughs> zero Jamie. Jamie. Right. But okay. here we go. Question number three. Yeah. What is rumoured to be Batman's favourite flower? Is yeah. it? Multiple choice. Yeah. Is it poison ivy? Oh, oh poison ivy so hot. Is it black bat? Oh, black bat so hot. Is it lily pilly? <laughs> lily pilly. So, what is rumored to be Batman's favorite flower? Is it poison ivy? Is it the black bat? Or is it li- a lily pilly? Lily pilly. My my mother in law has a vengeance against lily pillies. Oh really? Yeah, because there's a massive How one in the neighbor. Because there's a massive lily pilly tree in the neighbor's yard, and it's so massive it reaches over into their yard and it drops loads of berries, <laughs> which immediately flower into uh, immediately whatever the word is into plants, right? Into trees and want to become trees all over her back garden. When well, she doesn't want that, no. So she does she hates, go there with a chainsaw and she hates lily pillies. <laughs> and we have one in the front of our yard. You know the great thing? The grape thing? Well, the great thing yeah. is that this is the only question which requires the answer because we've given the answers for the rest. So I can go straight into... Jamie, what's your answer? Oh, I'm going to go with the lily pilly. Me too. David? Yeah, me too. This is a first. What? <laughs> this is where <laughs> I win because it's actually the black bat. The black bat. The black bat. What the hell kind of flower is that? The black bat. It's a rare one. Oh. It's on the, the top 25 rare 
um, flowers. Stupid I And that means I get two points. Yeah, you do. And I win. This is the first time ever I think I've won. Hey, I think in Matt's quiz, most of the time Matt wins. <laughs> And no one else does, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm hoping the listeners... Hey, mean. you know what? I, I'd like to well pick done, the... Matt. <laughs> Let's rev up the show, is what, is what I like to do, and uh, get back into some solid games reviewing and maybe do a bit of lanterns. The pathway to enlightenment is now lit with the glorious light luminescence... Of lanterns. Of lanterns. And a Chris, Christopher Chung uh, interview as well coming up. This is your Christmas special. If you're wondering why it's going long, that's what it's a Christmas it's special. It's a Christmas special. And you're getting two games out of this, all right? That's what it's all that's about. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's two for one. <laughs> just fighting off our... Two for one. Just fighting off the critics right now. It's like, that's what we're <laughs> yes, trying to do. This thing went too long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're about an hour and ten to the show. We're fine. We're fine. We're good. <laughs> let's hear from him. Yeah. No, no. No, let's hear from us. Let's hear from us. Let's review Latins, then we'll get into Christmas. Oh, okay. Lanterns is a pattern creation tile placement game from Renegade Game Studios. It was released in 2015 and was designed by mathematical madman Christopher Chung. It's a game for two to four players that have about 25 to 35 minutes to frolic upon mill pond waters of Imperial China with music like this. Thanks, Matt. It won a 2015 Mensa Select Award and was nominated for Golden Geek's Best Family Board Game Prize. And even Geek and Sundry chipped in by nominating it in the top five games of 2015. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Lanterns, the Harvest Festival, is a tiled placement game set in Imperial China. Players act as artisans decorating the palace lake with floating lanterns. The artisan who earns the most honour before the festival begins wins the game. Uh, Lantern's elegant and engaging gameplay by designer Christopher Chung features a unique mechanic where players... I've gone all David Attenborough here. Where players must balance the placement of their tiles or risk helping their opponents on their way to victory. It's a give and take that provides hours of depth and strategy. On a turn, a player places a tile depicting various colour arrangements and every player receives lantern cards based on the tile placed. Players dedicate sets of lantern cards to gain honour and favour. It's all about honour in this show, isn't it? Mm. I feel the only people without honour at the end of this show are going to be us. (laughs) One disclaimer before we proceed, Christopher Chung is not actually a madman. In fact... Christopher works the diner all day and he brings home his pay for love. For love, fellas. For love. And he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy too. And you'll hear from him in a, in a few minutes because, um, yeah, we've been playing Lanterns, uh, which is the other game of the month from Good Games. They've just gone like, hey, look, Christmas is happening. Let's just spread the joy across everyone. That's it. Let's give a couple of... Uh Abstract thematics ago. Well, this podcast has the strangest fusion of ancient Asian mysticism (laughs) and Bon Jovi. (laughs) (laughs) You you picked that up too. Yeah, it took uh, me a while to get it. Bon Jovi? What are you talking about? Uh, anyway, um, (laughs) so what's happening in Lanterns, fellas? What you know? What's the narrative of this game? How'd you like to start there, Jamie? Um. 
David covered it pretty well in his in his little. I, I know. I was thinking that he did that. That was that pretty much said everything. But what, we, the, we, the, uh, the smoke on the water joke or something like that is that what it was? Mm. It was we're uh, designers of a lantern festival, and um, we are working in the same space to create a beautiful display. And the one of us who creates the most beautiful, the uh, the best patterns of lanterns released into the water. Is going to uh, to win the game. Yeah, we get given the title of most honoured artisan. Yeah, so there's 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 two ways of looking at this, isn't there? There's the cards, there's the there's the board game which we're talking about. Yeah, and then I understand you've been also playing the uh, the iOS yeah, app. I have. So it's um, patterns of tiles that you place on the table that match up with other tiles. Is that is that what's happening? What, what are we looking at when when we sit down to play this game? What's happening on the table before us? So it is, like you said in your lead-up, it is a tile placement game where uh, if... Jamie, have you played Suro? I certainly have. Yeah. So Suro is another game in this sort of, same sort of vein where there's a stack of tiles and each player has a pool of three to begin with. And every time you place one of those tiles out into a central area where there is a starting tile, which is, it gets sort of spun. And where whichever player the red lanterns point to, that's mm. the starting player. And then it continues around clockwise from there. Spin the bottle. So do yeah. you have to kiss anyone in your college that you might not necessarily fancy? Only if, I guess, you win the game. Okay. Then, then I guess maybe you do. But the first player then has the distinction of choosing one of their three, pl- three tiles to place next. To join, It must join the starting tile. Yeah. And the, the great thing about this game is that once you've placed that tile down in any sort of setup, you know, there are, and the starting tile has... Uh, uh, now, Jamie, I can't remember the colours around it, but... Uh, it has red on one side, then it has... It's got four different colours. Four so different colours, yeah. which ones yeah. off the top of my head. So you then match your tile up, assumingly, to one of that matches with the tile that matches the same colour as one that's on the starting tile, all right? So for argument's sake, red. So you take your tile that has maybe a red lantern on one side, you turn the tile so that that red lantern side faces the red lantern starting tile, right? So when they touch, you've got two red lantern tiles con- uh, touching each other, adjacent, right? Yeah. And then you score uh, lantern cards. So <laughs> in that colour. So you immediately, as the person that, that placed that tile, you get a red card for making that place, making that match, Okay, red to red. Mm-hmm. You also, because the, the orientation of the board is important, whatever colour on the tile that you placed that's facing you, you get that colour as well. Okay. But so does everybody else around the table. So you're playing it with four players, right? Yeah. So one on, on, on each side. It's a, it's a two to four player game. It is a two to four, four yeah. player game. So on each side, uh, the tile that you just placed... Whatever colours are represented on that tile, the player that is whatever side is facing them, they get that colour. It's it's a quite it's a very visual game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Just as just as if you were sitting I'm on the bank, looking justice, but just if you, if you were sitting on the bank, looking across the mill pond, seeing all these lanterns displayed across yeah. the lake, it's it's different for everyone that's uh, sitting around. It is. You get a different perspective. Yeah. That's right. And so exactly. once you've done that, you've got a limited amount of control over what color tiles you're getting. Yeah. Because every other player is also contributing to what color tiles you're getting. That's right. So you spend a tile, then you draw a tile to go back up to three and then it passes to the next player. Everybody has got something out of your turn, but then that's okay because when it's the next player's turn, you're going to get something off their turn. Yeah. And that's why so everybody gets something on everybody else's turn. It's very much set collection. So then you start to look at uh, getting multiples of the same colour or getting uh, two of three different colours or getting one of every colour so that you can get to the next step, which is when it comes around to your turn again, you get to trade in. You've got a couple of options. One is you can uh, trade one of the one of the colours that you have, colour cards that you have, lantern, sorry, lantern cards that you have. You can trade it in for something else that's in the pool. Yeah. All right. Whatever colour, one for one. If you have favour markers to do it with. If you have favour, yeah, favour markers. Now, favour markers are these little, uh, like, Chinese coin tokens that the only way to get them is if you put a platform. It's a platform which is a central square with, uh, like, a nice design of, like, a panda or a dragon or something like that is part of your tile that you placed. So every time you place one of those, you get a, a, a token, all right? Yeah, and then if you happen to join your platform up to another platform, so they're uh, adjacent, you get rewarded with two coins. So which, which hooks back in the narrative: That's if right. you're pleasing the emperor, whoever, by doing a nice display, you're going to get rewarded exactly for it. Exactly right. That's exactly. right. So yeah, play just continues out, and then you got that you can spend it. So you can trade one that you have that you don't want for one that you want. You spend your two coins, you trade those two cards. The other thing you can do is you can make a tribute. Is it tribute? Yeah. Which is where you're paying in some of the, uh, the cards the that you've, you've collected yep. in order to get a scoring tile. Yep. And the scoring tiles, are, there's, there's three different configurations of scoring tile. There's four of the same color. There's two of three different types of colors. Or there's one of every color. Now these ty- these um, tribute tokens or tribute markers are a descending in value. So at the at the top they're worth ten points, but then every time somebody claims that token, you then the points value is then represented underneath. So you take away the ten, you're left with a nine. So the next player will get nine points. That one goes. The next player after that will get eight points, and so on and so forth until. They're all they're either all taken, or all the tiles, the uh, lantern tiles have been placed, and there's no more to draw. So that's basically that's the way it works. Okay. And, yeah, and the, the, then at the end, it's tallied up. The player with the most points is the artisan, and uh, is the honoured artisan, and wins the game. Okay, cool. So when we when we open up the box and we're looking inside lanterns, yeah. I mean, it's something we didn't touch on in the the lotus part of the game yeah. but uh you know renegade game studios 
we all know what Fantasy Flight are like. Yeah, what high are, production what are, values. Yeah, what are Renegade Game Studios? What are these games? What, what are they like when you open them up? Are they, you know, you know, Steve Jackson quality or are they Fantasy Flight game quality? You know, where are we at? They are <coughs> very much Fantasy Flight quality. Yeah, uh, and and more. Yeah. Okay, because they they don't have to. You know, there's not a lot of minis and things like that. It's all. All their production values and all their art value is going into the cards and the box design and the tokens and, and, and the tiles. So there's a lot of thought has gone into them. They're beautiful games. That's, they that's really are. Yeah, Lotus. Um, and I'm trying to think of another one, uh, one of the Renegade games that I know that is really good. And which one? Fuse is their other big title. Lotus, Fuse, Lotus, that's Lotus, right. Lotus. Fuse. Yeah. yeah, so and Fuse is another. And, and uh, Gravwell. Um, Gravwell yep. is one of their tiles, and Gravwell is actually another Mensa Select. So okay. oh, immediately they've got two Mensa Select winners mm. in their uh, in their lineup, which is I think you know. Well, I guess it's great. I don't know. I, I remember we asked someone about Mensa Select once. It was um, was it Wes? It was Wes, yeah, yeah. because he got a Mensa Select nomination. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you know, it's a big deal. Oh, absolutely! That's a massive. So, so to have two games in consecutive years. Yeah. So you know. Lanterns won it last year. Gravwell won it the year before. Yeah. They're not the only winner throughout the year, but certainly to be, you're in good company if you, win, if you pick it up. I guess what I'm aiming for is, like, as the listener, you know, he's thinking, or she, he's thinking, okay, Lanterns sounds pretty cool. Um, what, what am I going to get? You know, if I spend X amount of dollars, am I going to get a quality product? Uh, yeah. I've seen Lotus. I haven't played Lanterns. Yeah. Uh, but it's like Lotus was fantastic. You know, it was good card quality. Uh, good, you know, card stock. There's solid uh, items within it. it was yep. all it's all fantastic. Art oh, is beautiful. Latin's same up to par. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. definitely. It's very more color based. Um, so all the all the lantern cards are in their stock standard colors. The lantern designs are different. So you've got a different little lantern design perk on each card, mm-hmm. uh, and they're in orange, green, purple, white, blue, red, and black. Oh, I wish I was the Emperor right now. I'd be loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> the dedication tokens are in four different colours. There's like a uh, red for the the four of the same, blue for the two of each different type, of two, mm-hmm. of three different types, and then green for one of every type. And then there's a grey for, uh, grey, uh, I think it's just like a consolation prize. So Yeah, grey is, is when you run out of another stack. Yeah, so you run out of another stack, and then you get this arbitrary amount of to- of uh, points, dedication mm. points. The lake tiles are single-sided uh, in that they can only have one, either one way to orient them up. Okay. Because uh, on the back is uh, just a pattern. Yeah. So how, how does it play as far as, you know, like uh, different numbers of players or, you know, what's the... Oh, it's, a, it's a one to four. Oh, I played it with... Two to um, four, isn't it? Two to four, sorry. Two to four. I played it with uh, Family Lau. Yeah. So oh, yeah. with uh, Tess and... Um, Experienced gamers. And, and Xanthi, yeah. Yeah. And I, I lo- what I found was very beautiful game set up, hands going everywhere. Yeah. So because they're constantly reaching for these lantern cards. Right. No, so their hands going backwards and forwards, and it was very quick. Okay, yeah. You know, but it has the potential to be a, a very relaxing game if you take your time and maybe mm-hmm. someone, one person takes responsibility 
for handing out the lantern for cards. the tempo of the game. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but the game, those games I played with the Lows, it was a very quick game. Yeah, great game. I really enjoyed it. But uh, it did take me a little while to figure out what was going on. Now, they're, they're experienced gamers too, yeah. so they yeah, know the sure. ins and outs of a, of a game. Yep. They picked it up pretty quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were able to teach me how to play it in no time at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, in terms of description, I guess that's really, that, that's it. There's not a lot to it. It's a, you know, we're going to hear from, from Chris himself shortly. And he goes into a little bit about. I mean, we, the interview yeah. wasn't all about that. Oh, it's fascinating. Fascinating. What I found, um, and just to prelude the uh, interview, fascinating how he comes to the point yeah. of uh, inventing lanterns. It's it's. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's a really good conversation. So I talked about exchanging a lantern card to get the thing that you want. That's an optional uh, optional thing. You don't have to do it, right? Um, but you can only do that if you can do that. Uh, so if you've got the the tokens, the um, uh, what are they called? The favor tokens. The favor tokens. Yeah. So the other thing you can do, which again is option, make a dedication to get one of those scoring tiles. Uh, again, it's optional. If you can only do it if you can afford to do it. And the mm-hmm. third action is then it goes back to placing a lake tile. So no matter what option you choose, when it's your turn, you choose. You can do one, you can do two, or you can do three. Or you can do all three, or you can do one and three, or two and three. Three being place the lake tile, which is the only mandatory. You're action. just saying numbers now, Matt. I am. I yeah. know, because I'm, I'm looking at them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the only mandatory action is actually placing a lake tile. No matter what tiles you have in your hand, yeah, you have to place one of them. You know, okay. even if you can't see any match up there, it just means that you're not going to get the bonus lantern card for making a match of say red to red. Okay, you're not going to get that one. You're only going to get the token for the one that's facing you directly, whether it, whatever color it is. Okay. So orientation is a big deal because you're not just giving, you're not just earning lantern cards for yourself. You're earning them for your opponent. That's right. Hmm. Pro right. tip. Yeah. Here yep. we go. Pro tips. So most tables are rectangular. This game is clearly designed for a square table. Uh, so one of the things that we've always done when playing lanterns is uh, we build the field on a diagonal yeah. so that it's so that whenever you play a tile down the lanterns are actually facing you yep yep that's a sensible thing to do um are there any expansions uh in the there is one game? coming yeah okay. it's the um uh, it is. I've just closed the thing. Hang on. It's, um, it's before some I... promo tiles that I've picked up. Yeah, there are some promo tiles, but there's also. Uh, I did know there was an expansion. We spoke to him about it. Yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely one coming down the line. I know. Uh, it's the King's something or other. Oh, I'm terrible. Uh, I went too far. But what I was going to say, my pro tip while I'm looking for it, yeah, is. I would very, very easily switch out the lantern cards for splendor tokens. Oh, easily. Really? Oh, yeah. that's clever. I would yeah. replace them with poker chip type. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, if you've got splendor, you could use that, could you? You could use splendor uh, chips in there. 
Whoa. No, you couldn't. Because what would the cars, you there's not then? enough. So so the Splendor chips, no, I wouldn't say replace them. I would say get poker chips yeah. in eight different colours. Oh, buy poker chips. <laughs> and, and use the poker chips. Okay. Because the heft, I think it would add something to the game, which the, the reason why Splendor is such a... Yeah, a great tactile game is because you've got those poker chips that you can sure, play with. Yeah, they bounce, is. they make sound. Yeah, you know, for the same reason, I think that you know that'd be a great thing. To so add, to tally up to your game. scores as you go in lanterns, it would be good to have something of of a bit of yeah of sure. weight. Yep. Okay. Uh, so in in like, while you're looking up that Matt uh, yeah, yeah. about the expansions, in summary, Jamie, uh, who who do you play this game with? You know, who's your target audience for this? Who well, out there is listening again, to this I'm, going, maybe it's for me. I feel me. like I'm leaning on it as an answer, but it's a it's a family game. I've actually played it with my family, with my yeah. six-year-old daughter. She loved it. She found it was colourful and exciting, and she knew how to play on her turn, which was really good. Yeah. Um, my son enjoyed it, and he's eight, and, you know, much more into the dungeon bashing stuff, but was perfectly happy with, you know, sitting there for, for 20 minutes, half an hour, and bashing out some lanterns. Um, my better half, who's not a not a serious gamer, was very much enraptured with it because it was pretty and fun and light and quick. It's it's a really good little happy, get-together, have-a-little-enjoyable-exercise kind of game. It yeah. sounds like we've gone a little bit of out of our comfort area with these two games today. You know, where like previously we've been playing games that are, you know, a little bit of basham, a little bit of darkness yeah. to it, a little bit of mystery and horror and what's going on and spookiness and and we've gone beyond that and gone to gone to these games which uh offer us something a little bit different actually might allow us to play with people that we probably should be able to play with (laughs) i.e our families (laughs) (laughs) yeah um that expansion i was looking for is called the emperor's gifts which uh is due to release next year uh, yeah, and we, and we did speak to Chris about that. So yeah, it's uh, in he the... didn't actually design that. That was done. That was designed by Jason Kingsley. Okay. Uh, so and that adds a different element to the game. Um, and also, as pavilions. far as expansions, you've been you were talking about there's a there's an iOS version of the game that you can pick up and play, which rocked my socks from the moment I got it. Yeah. Beautiful. Like, I, I'm a big fan of these aesthetically beautiful games. Like, I love Takedo. Um, I don't know whether it's it's this it's this Asian culture thing. No, it's not just that. I mean, Dixit was probably the yeah, first. Yeah, that's true. Dixit, yeah. Really and beautiful game. Yeah. So, it, from the get-go, it is, a, it is a truly faithful port of the game. Uh, it... Does everything that the board, that the card that the tile game does uh, with the thematic background music? You can play solo against an AI. You can play uh, pass and play, uh, and it just all the elements are there. And it just I, I didn't even have to bother looking at the rules or the how to play or tutorials or anything. I just jumped straight in and I knew exactly how to play. Yeah. And I, it was it was a very rewarding experience. Just sitting down, I think you know it, it's the kind of thing I sit down and go, mm, oh, "I've had a hectic day. I just want to play a game. I don't want to play anything too long. I'll play Lanterns because it's and it's only it's only very new, very recently out. 
Uh, I'll play it nice. It's a quick game. Yeah, I I, I really enjoy it. It's 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 a it's a beautiful port. So it's a beautiful game, board game. Yeah, and it's a terrific iOS port. You know, I like I've got big exp- because a lot of my gaming now takes place on on the iPad. Because all of our all of our popular board games these days are coming out with iOS versions, uh, you know, Cult Express. We we both quite like Cult oh, Express. Love Cult Express and the iPad version. Yeah, the iPad version of that is very very close to dropping, and I'm going to be there day one as soon as it does. Mm. Because I don't have to worry about boxes and and unpacking and finding people to play with. You know, I, I'm quite happy to play against an AI or if it's got that multiplayer option or whatever, then I can do pass and play very easily. So, um, yeah, I think that that's that's what got me in. I, I would definitely own both. I, I would own Lanterns the, the, in the physical version. I think version. we're all in the own both kind of category, yeah. aren't we? It's like there's nothing better than playing the the tactile version. Like yeah. you said, get the you know, the heavy... Uh, casino chips involved in yeah. this game, it would feel really good. Um, There's which an you, expansion which you, which you can't, which you, which you can't get on the uh, the iOS. But at the yeah. same time, iOS is a convenience thing to it. So yeah, yeah. No, it's got the little sound effects and things that that, that more than compensate. And in fact, that's what gave me the idea because it makes this sound, which just made me think of the Splendor chips, which I thought that would be perfect. So yeah, Renegade, if you're listening, there's your next expansion, a chipset. Um, well, I, I yeah. think I think before we go any further, it's oh, if, if just to close it out. Uh, how about we just tune into um, Jamie and, yeah. and Matt talking with Chris uh, Chung, Christopher Chung, the Lanterns designer himself, for a very compelling chat that um, we uh, we did just the other week. <laughs> Chris, I noticed um, when I was looking up your board game geek profile, uh, a bit thin in the background in there. I had to delve a little bit deeper for information. But what what sort of encouraged you to get into uh, this whole board game design thing? Sure. Uh, so on the oh, profile being thin, I guess I'm not a big fan of um, using board game geek right now. Um, not just because it's uh, a little unfriendly to use for most internet navigators <laughs> but also that um you know i'm on the precipice of uh of things so i just like to keep things um uh you know a little private in terms of uh what i do on board Geek each yeah i'm not too active so um yeah it's, it's quite thin but um when i do end up getting more games out of my bar i guess i'll uh, do a refresh um but yeah that being said i actually dreamt that i made a board game and and i was playing with friends and family and i prototyped it the next day i wrote down whatever i could and made the game and it sucked (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that that took me about six months to a good chunk of a year to realize that the game sucked um so i threw that one away but i i actually got in touch with a lot of my friends now who are the um game artisans of canada and they just told me make a game that you can design right now so i did i um i designed a couple few smaller games and uh that led me to uh the eventual uh game of lanterns yeah but uh i did play poker when i was in high school and uh i had a small collection starting with Catan. uh that was a christmas gift that i um 
completely fa- fell in love with. And uh, it just grew from there. Now I'm sitting on a collection with 300 games. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, it, uh, so it's something that worked out for you. Um, exactly. Those, was that your, your earliest design attempt? Just the, the, the one that didn't work? That, that, that dream yeah. you had? Yeah. Yeah. What was the premise of that? If you don't mind me um, asking. <laughs> sure. It was a literal hot mess. It was a combination of action points rock, paper, scissors, um, uh, simple combat, but extremely um, uh, broken in some ways. And <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was a nightmare. <laughs> I think the reason everyone, I asked... Everyone has to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, the yep. reason I, I asked is because I've, I've had some dreams not unlike that of myself, where uh, I, I've invented this amazing game, which is included so many mechanics and there's so many uh, uh, aspects to it that it's just this monster that, that would never, ever work. So, yeah, I think I can relate right. to that. <laughs> Were there any, uh, in starting those initial design, well, starting your design work on Lanterns, and I think your first game was called uh, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, is that correct? Is that your first self-published uh, game? That was the self-published game. Yeah. So, uh, funny about uh, funny story about that. I am part of uh, a list of friends uh, from the now called Gamma Space, but was called Bento Miso. And basically, it was a um, it's now a web, um, not necessarily accelerator, but a co-working space yeah. for video game developers, uh, web developers, etc. And they had this um, event called uh, what was it called? Oh shoot! Henry's gonna <laughs> kill me if I remember. It was some kind of market. I I had to remember the the market name. Um, but uh, what it was, it was helping entrepreneurs and whatnot, um, uh, developers sell their games oh, okay. and uh, market to to people around Toronto and across the GTA. GTA. <laughs> so I had an opportunity to make a game. Um, I thought of a, a simple game that could easily work with families, uh, whatnot, and it was uh, a micro game. So about 16 cards with two of them being the rolls and cover and uh, uh, back to front. And I packaged it in a little um, plastic bag with an, an elastic <laughs> wrapped around it. Nice and and I sold it for about, <laughs> yeah, sold it for about five bucks. But I'm still in a hole for that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Maybe, uh, yeah. you know, lanterns will help you recoup that. But... Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lanterns is a—it's a great family game. You know, it's—it's it's really easy to learn, quick to play. Uh, how hard was it? Do you feel to come up with something new in that kind of space? So, I actually find it pretty hard to make something new, just because they—a lot of designers say try to make something unique, right, and try to make something that's innovative, but what games have done in, in recent memory was to build off of other games that have um, uh, been there before. It's kind of like standing on the shoulders of giants kind of thing. So when I came up with Lanterns, um, I actually looked to my, uh, I guess, predecessors of Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne, Jaipur, and figured out, like, I love certain aspects of those games. Now, how do I turn those aspects into a game that I would like to play? So, and uh, coming for the whole uh, origin story of that coming out of a 48-hour board game jam at 
uh, Benzo Miso. I think that really summed up how how cool it is to make a game within a limited time span, but also make a game that is now selling worldwide from yeah. that. I could say the same <laughs> about many of my old uni assignments. Uh, the bit of pressure helps bring out your best work, I think. Doesn't hurt anyone either. Um, so, oh, yeah. what were those early influences? You mentioned a couple of titles there. Those yep. is there any game in particular which you perhaps lent on a little bit more for design influence or design uh, ideas or creativity? Sure. So, I'll mention um, both games and people that I uh, keep around me that are. Uh, Sources of huge inspiration. So, uh, first, the people I like to um, mention: Senpum Lim and uh, Jay Cormier of the Bamboozer Brothers. They've done so many wonderful games like Belford, but wait, there's more junk art, all that stuff. I can go down the list, right? Yeah. Um, there's also uh, Steven Sayer, who did uh, the Walled City with Daryl Andrews and Daryl Andrews himself. Um, awesome guys, Josh Capel, uh, Josh Dirksen. Man, I can seriously run down the whole gamut of um, game artisans who I've met around the years and really given me great feedback and um, provided a sense of inspiration to continue designing. And so when I showed them my first game, especially Steven, uh, Francois Valentin, and um, uh, the Boozer Brothers, they were like, you know, you can make something greater than this. And I agreed. (laughs) So I took the feedback that they gave me and, and really... Um, hone down what my visions of board game design were and really start from the ground up again. Uh, but the games I really liked, I I lean towards the gateway games that have been there before and done that. So Ticket to Ride, um, you know, Alan Moon has made Rummy in a box, but it, it, it works. Yeah. Um, I look to Catan, you know, Klaus Tuber has the most amazing game in the world. So there's a lot of games that I looked up to, but all of them, as I played them, actually give me inspiration to design something not necessarily like that, but evoke the same feeling that I would get from playing that game. So Lanterns pretty much uh, evokes a sense of, you know, relaxation and light strategy, but still a cutthroat sense of, um, of play. So Ticket to Ride, as simple as the game is, when you're claiming a destination before someone else and you are taking that route, you know, you're effectively being a cutthroat uh, uh, player to someone else's um, uh, destination cards. And that's the same uh, attitude I took towards Lanterns. When you give someone a card, yes, you're benefiting them in the end, but you're also trying to dedicate before they are. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Are there any mechanical features of the game that changed from the original prototype into what we get now sure so um uh what stood was the uh, perspective mechanic and the um training in of cards for points but the biggest thing was um the scoring so when i uh had i had loved jaipur at the time but it didn't occur to me that i could use the scoring mechanic from there uh that actually took the efforts of uh, randy hoyt for fox Shark games and we developed that together uh, but it was a scoring track before, so you would have set points for trading in um, a full house of lanterns, um, seven unique, and um, something else. 
but the combinations, there were three of them, so that was pretty much what you see here. Yeah. But when you had the static track, and then at the end of the game, when someone had scored 40 points, that triggered the game end, and everyone else had a another turn. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, mm. you, you had to race to get um, to the finish line. However, the seven unique was the um, was the go-to strategy. No one else really paid attention to the other combinations in the game. Um, if they came up, sure, that was great. But you know, you would push for that uh, that big point uh, play. So we took that and we said, I like how you scored more points uh, for the seven unique, but at the cost of being, I guess, cost efficient because you're actually trading in less um, cards for more points in terms of a four of a kind sure. and the variable scoring. Yeah, when the um, when the dedication is dropped. We that was perfect. The earlier you can dedicate, the better it is for you overall. Yeah, well, it, it, I think overall that it works. Um, uh, Jamie and I have both both played it, you know, not together, of course. But although the options are now open, that there's an iOS version, um, right? Which I, I've just picked up recently, and I have to say that that's that's awesome for a straight out the gate port. Um, it's really, really impressive. Uh, yeah. Do, do, how do you feel about digital versions of the board games? I know a lot of my collection these days, I've got both. But, um, mm. yeah, for being a designer who, I don't know whether you had much input into the design of of the app itself, but how do you feel about that? Uh, so I'm completely amazed by the reception and the, the app. So. Uh, performance. I um I actually had a, a chance to meet uh, the, uh, some of the Direwolf people at uh, uh, Gen Con and give a little uh, get a little thirty second demo of the game, and I was completely blown away. It was everything I wanted in an app. But um, in terms of actually having inputs, I, I didn't have uh, input at all. Um, but that's not a bad thing, just because uh, being for someone who has a, a less than standard phone, I guess. Uh, it's still a smartphone, but it hardly runs a, a lot of applications <laughs> at times. So I don't have, really have a chance to play like uh, some of the Ticket to Ride and Carcassonne of the yeah. world. But um, uh, it's still, they, they've done an amazing job. I just recently got a tablet thanks to um, Charles from uh, Foxtrot. And uh, I've been playing it maybe... Uh, a few times a day now, and some people know who I am, uh, some people don't, uh, but yeah, right. uh, I've been sharing my username, but I've been losing half the time to, uh, <laughs> uh, to the AI on hard, so I'm just like, uh, uh, this proves a point that I'm terrible at my own game. Well, what uh, struck me is the way uh, I was able to pick it up straight away. I didn't have to yeah. worry about tutorial, I didn't have to worry about... Uh, you know, looking through the rule set or anything, I was able to just pick it up, start playing because I knew instinctively what to do and how to play the game, which was, I think that's a very crucial uh, point for, for board game adaptations on iOS is to be able to allow players of the game to be, who are familiar, to jump in and be able to play straight away. But was that, did you ever consider it the, or conceive at the beginning uh, while Lanterns was in, uh, while you were making lanterns, 
whether it was going to end up in that direction at all? Was that something that was on your radar like as a possibility or did you just, <laughs> there's no way this was going to happen? It came out of left field. Um, I would say a latter a little bit or, or mostly just because, you know, as a, not necessarily a first time designer, but, you know, first game to be widely um, published, whatnot, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you also consider the success of the game, and sure, there was possibilities, but when Randy and Scott told me, I was completely losing my mind. I was like, <laughs> what? This, this is a thing? So, um, you know, Renegade has done an amazing job with um, Direwolf on the implementation of Lanterns, and they're doing that with uh, a couple of more of the games, so you'll be seeing uh, possibly uh, a a Lotus, a Gravel, whatnot, and maybe uh, some more of uh, Renegade games. Um, you know, knock on wood, that, yeah. that happens. And um, you really can't plan for it. But what I did was I said, you know, I'm going to embrace this just because I, I see myself playing this alongside a lot more people around the world. And hopefully I see see people playing this on the subway being like hey that's freaking awesome that you're playing my game and i don't have to uh to break a sweat over it so um it's it's quite an amazing feeling that a publisher believes in your game and believes in their catalog so much that they would implement a um a digital copy of it and you know sell it so yeah the, the success that i had on the android and ios so far has been amazing and just showing my parents uh the game recently they're they're pretty much astonished they're like yeah this is a crazy cool so <laughs> it's a good feeling <laughs> excellent so while we're talking about things that feel fantastic about the game um you got yeah. recognized as a mensa select winner as well uh was that yeah. anything that uh you know did, did you put it forward was it nominated or was it just picked Sure. So um, I believe the selection process was um, uh, publishers have to do sign, uh, send in a game and whatnot and to be uh, vetted by the early jury. And they would pick, I think, 60. So 60 games go into a convention of uh, Mensa uh, organizers and participants and members. Uh, they would get together in a, I think, three-day conference to just play games and and bet these things. So out of sixty, job. we were. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> out of sixty, we were a uh, top five winner. So uh, they usually pick five games out of the um, selection, and Gravel was the uh, winner the year before. So uh, it was funny that uh, uh, we won it. And World's Fair eighteen ninety three, which is also done by uh, Foxtrot Games and Renegade right. Games Studios, uh, they won as well. So uh, Scott is uh, three for three in three <laughs> years, and. Randy's two for two, so that's pretty good. That's a, that shows um, good pedigree. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, the award itself, it opens up a lot of doors because I can attach my name to uh, a Mensa Select. Uh, but also, I got to uh, meet a lot of people. Like the Trekking the National Parks, um, they won the same years I did. And so when I visited their Gen Con booth, I was like, hey, I'm Chris. Um, congratulations on, on winning the award. They're like... What you're Chris? Awesome! It's great to meet you. So it's uh, we have that connection now, but uh, it, it's been great. And I 
definitely recommend a lot of publishers who fit that niche of being in that family uh, game scope to really enter in, um, like my friends, uh, uh, Food Fighter people, kids, uh, kids Table Board Games uh, with uh, Helena, Josh, they've entered in as well. So uh, there's quite a bit of uh, really good reception once the Mensa Select uh, Award does does um, allow you to, to get. But even if you don't win, it's still a great publicity that you've been nominated as uh, one of these Mensa Select Award, uh, sorry, uh, participants, I guess. Yeah. Oh, well, you, well, we're, we're all really proud of you here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, you've got uh, anything on the horizon that, that we might be able to talk about, share with us, a little insight, what's coming up next? Hint, hint, anything? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can't openly talk about um, any of the things that are signed right now. We run into um, that a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just because, you know, I want, I do want to wait for the publisher's blessing or not. Um, I am working on quite a bit now. So I have a few with a co-designer. I've actually um, stripped myself of the lone wolf status. I still am in respects, but uh, I am opening up to uh, co-designers. So I have maybe five or six with uh, a journeyman from Toronto, Erica. She's been awesome. She's been uh, giving me great ideas to work off, and we work great together. Um, And then I do have a few that are... um, in the works, I have a football-themed trick-taking game, if you can believe that. It's hmm. called Trick Play. Uh, I hope to get it in the right hands, considering football uh, football games and sports games in general don't really do well in um, the grand scheme of uh, the board game universe. But CSE Games and Fabio, he's done super well with um, with his games, like Fantasy Fantasy Baseball by Joe Andrews and J.R. Honeycutt. That's going to explode. So I'm hoping to ride that same trend and uh, hopefully that this trick play has a, a place in the market. Um, I am also working on a um, kind of like a, I would say, huh, I have to think about this one. <laughs> uh, let's see, a political game of like Tammany Hall, but with monsters and evil things. So you're trying to. <laughs> oh, uh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's almost like Corrupted Kingdom. So when that game came out, I was like, damn it. <laughs> that game has been But I'm still going to work on mine. It's called Evil, as in E-V-I-L-L-E. And uh, you're basically hoping to get the political favor of monsters by running um, their campaign. However, monsters do what they do and try to beat each other up and try to win the campaign that way. So, uh, yeah, I'll be working on that, hopefully, in Gathered some inspiration for that. So not based on current political climate at all? Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it's a coincidence, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you um, you do have an expand. Well, when I say you, I mean Renegade Games. Has uh, Lanterns the Emperor's Gift coming out in 2017 as an expansion for Lanterns. How do you feel about handing right. over the design duties to somebody, to, to uh, I think Jason Kingsley? Right. So uh, Jason has been awesome on uh, Lanterns itself, the base game, because he was our um, graphic designer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I feel fine about that. Um, I wanted to work on different projects, being a, uh, a budding designer myself. And, um, you know, Lanterns, I 
felt was you know, pretty much done at that point. I've, I was very happy with what they'd done in the base game, and I didn't think there was room for expansion. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the publishers thought otherwise, and they thought the market was right for uh, a, an expansion, and that was good. So I helped uh, playtest the game and consulted them with a bit, but ultimately the decision was theirs, yeah. and that's fine. Um, but I appreciate them sticking in the loop and, you know, keeping me on board uh, because, uh, you know, I had some kinks, but we worked through them all. And uh, hopefully people are receptive to the expansion as much as they are with the base game. Hopefully it actually, you know, it's for the people who play Lanterns and love it but want a little bit more strategy, they can appreciate uh, where the expansion comes through and hopefully they uh, pick one up for themselves. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Before you came to game design um, and took up cards and dice as a, as a way of making your, your way in the world, uh, mm. what did you do? Sure. So um, I was actually a student. <laughs> uh, I came up with my first design in third year, and I actually took a break from school just because I really wanted to focus on um, game design a little bit more. I had already finished my diploma, um, and I was working on my degree. So I took a little hiatus and um, uh, ultimately finished my degree uh, thereafter. But I really wanted to come up with a lot more games just because the, the market was ripe and, um, and my head wasn't in the, the school space, I guess. Uh, so I went to school. I was working part-time as well. I had a full-time job uh, when Lanterns came out. So, you know, uh, I've been... Right now, I'm a professional. I'm a professional designer by trade, but I don't want to be. I still want to go back in the industry and uh, uh, work uh, full time and do this on the side. But uh, I, yeah, I've been bouncing between jobs and and working on game design ever since. So I guess that leads into my question, which is, uh, what what does uh, Chris Chung do with his spare time? What what is it you're up to when you're not prototyping, designing games, or uh, working at a job uh, i've been uh looking for a job <laughs> i guess that's my uh that's my hobby um but uh more so i i do watch a lot of hockey i'm a big toronto maple Leafs fan just because i live in toronto and um so i've been excited by their uh potential with all the the young kids like austin matthews and william nylander coming through mitch marner especially uh so yeah i've been watching a lot of hockey i've been um uh, chatting with friends online and doing my usual usual stuff, but uh, I am literally just trying to find a job and or make games. Uh, <laughs> usually at the same time or not at the same time. I don't mind either way. Uh, when inspiration strikes, I got to work on a game. <laughs> yeah. I I love the idea of ice hockey. It's just there's not enough ice over here in Australia to play. It. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, uh, what type of games do you play then yourself? Like if you've sure. got a so, spare time, what do you pull out? Yeah, um, I usually don't pull out prototypes with family members. So when I uh, do, it's really late stage that I do, and just looking if they get it mostly. Um, but whenever I have uh, family over, I guess I play a lot of gateway games to start. So after mentioning Ticket to Ride, uh, a little bit of Dixit. Um, I'm looking at my collection right now. Um, Dream Factory is a big one. Code names didn't really, you know, um, 
uh, isn't a hit with them, which is unsurprised. Huh. So hopefully codename pictures will work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but patchwork is a big one now. Um, so yeah, mostly uh, entry level games that I can easily ex- explain to them and and play. Uh, but when I'm with uh, friends who game design, we mostly play prototypes, and we usually gather every third Monday of every month at the Snakes and Lattes Designers Night, and sometimes at the uh, 401 Games Designers Night at, on Tuesdays. And so, for me, and a lot of more people, feedback is utmost, uh, of the utmost importance. Mm. So we usually play test and uh, give each other good feedback. I've heard of Snakes and Lattes um, as, a board, as a board game cafe, and, and it's a brilliant name. And I, I um, it's funny. I speak to some. I'm friends with some guys over in in uh, Pickering, and yeah. uh, you know they do an RPG thing over there. And it, it's funny how that that place comes up a lot in conversations on their Facebook page. But you know, so obviously, uh, it's it's a bit of a an attraction or a bit of a mecca for people for creative types in the board game field. So right, yeah, which is good to, so- good to see. Chris, there's, there's one big question that we always ask everyone we interview. Here it comes. Here it comes. So, how do you store your board games? You said you were looking at them before? How do you yeah, sort them? Yeah, how do I? I have, uh, let's see, one main bookshelf uh, that has a lot of uh, the big games on top. So, the Rhinelanders of the world with the size, the acquired that I can't fit on the regular shelf, I put up there. Um, I have two smaller bookcases that actually really fit um, games quite well. So I have my standard uh, 8x8 uh, games there. And then I have um, a bedside little shelf, uh, I guess, of um, games that are inordinate shapes. And um, two small uh, pull-outs uh, kind of shelves of my smaller games so there's quite a bit of i guess overflow right now and hopefully i make a trip to ikea to uh (laughs) get me a new shelf um but uh yeah so far i've been looking at games that i would now call just because um tabs con and breakout con which is happening in march i can sell a bit of games that i don't play anymore so how did you say you had in your collection uh, my last count was 312. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a lot of it is um, games that I love to break out, and uh, and I'm guilty of playing maybe one fifth of that, or a little bit more than one fifth, but let's say one quarter of the games. Um, but <laughs> I usually play with my friends' copies, and then get to play my own. Or well, after playing a friend's copy, they would say, "Hey, get this," and I was like, "Yeah, I'll get this." <laughs> so a lot of recommendations on my shelves uh, as well. And um, I just, I like collecting games. Um, I do want to play them eventually, and hopefully I will. So, but uh, they're awesome to look at and say, hey, oh, sure. you know, I have a, a copy of Potion Explosion on my shelf. What, is there a game like Potion Explosion I can make? So, uh, yeah, a lot of inspiration just by looking at the covers. Oh, fair enough. And if I guess if you're prototyping, you need some components from, the, you, you can just turn to your 300 board games and, salvage or scavenge what you need (laughs) exactly i've been um 
guilty of taking the dice from Steampunk Rally, um, the, the <laughs> score tracker from uh, Carcassonne. So, uh, yeah, there's quite a bit of uh, games that I borrow from. <laughs> well, Chris, it's been it's been a delight talking to you. We really appreciate uh, you taking your time and getting up so early in the morning to talk to us like this. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's humbling for us because we're getting to speak to people who make or who create the board games that we love and, uh, you know, really enjoy getting to the table with our friends and family and whatnot. So uh, thank you from, from us for taking the time. No problem. It's been a, a great experience being on here. Um, about that, I, I like making games, but also I like seeing the response that uh, people have, good or bad, you know, every every response is, is good for me. But I, I, first and foremost, I'd like to say that, you know, board game design has opened up a world of possibilities for me. And, and just seeing all the positive feedback that Lanterns has gotten so far and hopefully the relationships I create in the future um, coming from this game. It's, it's been absolutely a crazy experience and hopefully I continue to make more games that uh, land on people's tables and, and yeah. they'll be able to make experiences of those as well. Oh, so thank you for having me. Yeah, we look forward to seeing uh, whatever yeah. you come out with next. Nice. <laughs> All right, you take it easy and uh, yeah, we'll uh, get back to the show. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. It's Neats and Twos. Neats and Twos. It's Twos. All right. Lots of uh, social media activity going on this month. Actually, the uh, it's rife. Just going straight to the competition. It's been off the hook this month, hasn't it? How many were there? 67? Yeah, 67 comments. Individual comments. Individual comments. Really? Uh, yeah, so many people uh, getting on board with the. Uh, it just goes to show you, like we know, like months ago when we said get on board now, when there's like sixteen people, yeah. you'll have one in sixteen chance. Now it's a one in sixty-seven chance, which just goes to show. Next month, you need to get in yeah, your be, entry. It'll be. I, I'm, I'll make a prediction. It'll be one in eighty-five. <laughs> You're going big. One eighty-four. Well, it's two games, so that'll half that. So you'll still have a one in forty chance of winning. That's true. Oh, that's right. We'll do two winners. Yeah, we're doing two winners. But before we get to that, um, needs and toys, general stuff. What have we got? Like classic comments that have come in over the over the uh, month. I've got one from uh, Greg Barnett, a uh, Sydney local. Yeah. Who his comment was sounds absolutely sensational, guys. Now he could be talking about the game. Yeah. yeah it's the offer, a free game. Yeah. But, but I like to think he's talking about us. We sound sensational. Yeah, thanks. We are compliment yeah, staffed. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. That's it. So thanks for that, Greg. And uh, as I said, he's pretty sensational himself. <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Jamie? I like Simon Walters asking if Seven Land Hand Delivered was intentional or not, which of course it was. Which of course it was, uh, yeah. And then asking if, if he won the board game, would we give him a new hand-delivered joke as well? Well, we'll have to find out in a few seconds, won't we? Because we've had we've had the uh, the, the envelope passed down from Good Games HQ as to who's the winner this month, but none of us know who it is just yet. Um, yeah, I, I, there's some quality comments come through this month. It was really good. I think any time anyone's put in those comments, there's a bit of banter back and forth, bit of comments, yeah. bit of fun. 
bit of joking around. It's all it's all uh, entertainment for everybody, and yeah. that's what we're here for. Yeah? What I like to see is the, the some of the little conversations. You were having quite a conversation with uh, someone. Yeah, Chris Lee. Yeah. Chris Lee, that was great. Yeah, you just had a, a, a long conversation about all sorts of stuff about and just like how you find it, you know, what's the best way to get a podcaster app to catch yeah. it. And uh, yeah, he was a really good sound guy, you know. He was like... Um, that's some that's some pretty uh, community-based stuff going on right there. All the way around Australia. You know, that's what we're doing. We're doing hands across <laughs> Australia. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's not like we're doing Denmark. We're going no. for Australia. We're going big. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, Indianapolis, of course. Yeah, hands across Australia Canada. and then all the way across the Pacific to uh, to Indianapolis, into Canada. New Mexico. Yeah? You yeah, found yeah. from New Mexico. Yeah, my that? friend uh, Bob Lyle from, from the Invictus Stream oh, uh, yeah. community group. Yeah, he's, he, he's weighing in now. He's liking the podcast and he's liking... And he's joining in the, on the competition. So, yeah, yeah. yeah he's in. As a, as a glasses-half-empty kind of guy rather than the glasses-half-full kind of guy, this just makes me think that Riley in the UK is dropping the ball. He's not He's not supporting the... Oh, where are our English listeners, Riley? Yeah, Riley. <laughs> come on, man. You were on the show. He's always wanting to get back in Australia as well. We remember. Yeah, we won't I... let you in until you get at least... How many? Riley, um, what was his name? Averts, something like that. Yeah, Riley, yeah. Riley, Riley avoids. Yeah, Riley something. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so the Game of the Month special uh, coming up, everybody. And this is in the run-up to December. So even if you're not buying it for yourself, buy it for someone else. Get 10% off, right? Great gift. Good Games are giving our listeners 10% off Lotus and Lambs, both of the games. Go to your nearest Good Game store anywhere in Australia and give the staff the password... Koi Pond. Koi Pond. Koi Pond. in your coupon, which says Koi Pond. This lasts only for the month of December. Uh, and if 10% isn't enough, what about the chance to win both of these games? OMG, fellas. OMG. Well, you're uh, not going to win both. No, you can You'll win, win one of two. Yeah. So, yeah. So well, you one. You get really lucky, I suppose. Hang on. How does this pan out? Two lucky listeners. We have uh, two draws. Yeah, well, it's well, two draws. Yeah, it could be the same number. I suppose the same person True. could win it. Uh, so, two lucky listeners who comment on the Facebook post for this episode, episode eighty. Whew, that'll be easy to find because it's a nice round number. Um, they can win one of these games or both if you're the whatever stupidly lucky person who gets it <laughs> twice over. Well, think of Heather the Kleinak, you know. Oh, yeah, well, she's she's a professional at this sort of thing right now. <laughs> She'll probably win at least one of these. So, get in for the other one. Um, comment on the post now pinned to the top of Seven Land Hands Facebook page, and one commenter will be randomly chosen by Good Games HQ as this month's winner of Renegade Studios, Lotus, dot dot dot, and their other game, Lanterns. Mm-hmm. Okay, last month's winner, Matt. Okay, have we opened the the uh, gold envelope? We've queued up the dice app. Yeah, we've <laughs> hit set to random. No. But from Good Games HQ. From so, Game, yeah. yeah. And we've got Matthew Jethon. Matthew Jethon. Jethon? Or Jethon. G- or Jethon. Or Jethon. Or Jethon. Get, get back to us. You've, you've won. You've won a game. Matthew, you've no, won. Don't get back to us. Your Matthew, and your last name sounds something like that. Yeah. We'll <laughs> contact you. You've got a picture of you and, let's say, your girlfriend, if it's your sister, apologies. And uh, Matthew Jethon got in touch. He said, this game is like El Arkham Eldritch Horror, yeah? 
And uh, he says, I keep meaning to look into it. And we said, you're bang on, mate. That's pretty much. As <laughs> yeah, long. you can. Yeah, and he was going to check it out today. And that was back on the 4th of November. See how he got in early? Oh, he said he initially contacted on the 2nd of November. He was in pretty early. Um, yeah, so he's just one. A big box. A big box of expensive gear from Fantasy Flight. And good games. Courtesy oh, of good games. Oh, and courtesy of good games. So, yeah. so, yeah, we'll be in touch uh, and let you know how to pick that up, Matthew. But, my goodness, that's a good December, isn't it? It's a good that's a December. brilliant. Look, uh, what, if, what more could you want? If you're thinking, oh, what am I going to get for Christmas this year? It uh, sounds like we're trying to talk this up like we're going, wow, aren't we lucky to hand out games? <laughs> and aren't good games great for handing out games? But forget about all that. Bloody hell, he just won a really expensive game <laughs> for, like, putting a comment on a Facebook yeah, post. how easy was that? So... If you want to be like Matthew Jethon on yeah. uh, next month's podcast, make sure you get your comment in. You know, people get paranoid. They think, oh, but if I put my name down there, you're going to use it to, like, spam me with stuff. No, no we don't no. do that. We don't have that technology, man. It's as simple as you put <laughs> you, you put a comment in. We get a, a, a name spat out of Good Games HQ machinery and uh, and you win a game. It's as easy as that. And you never hear from anything like spammy-wise. I'm right there. Game. I delete my spam. Yeah. All right. So that's that's all good. Matthew Jethon. I uh, hope we pronounced your name right in one of the renditions of that. Um, so everybody else, please comment on any of our posts and get involved in the discussion. We love your opinions. They make our show better. It's, it's nothing better than reading out some of the comedy that uh, you guys have put out there. Yep. And if we read your comment aloud, we'll send you a, a classic Hypermagic Nerd Badge to adorn your game of gear. If you want it, of course. Yeah, so if you're Christopher Lee or your who, who did you mention earlier uh, on? Greg Barnett. Greg Manette or Jamie, who were you talking about? I was talking about Simon Walters. Oh, Simon Walters already got a badge, so Simon, shut up. <laughs> no, no. No, well, please keep your comments coming, Simon. But anyone, if you haven't been read out aloud before, let us know. Send us a, uh, uh, like your email, your, well, your uh, snail mail address yep. to podcast at sevenlandhand.com and, uh, yeah, we'll send you out a badge. Also... Keep, uh, get, let's get some suggestions on what we can uh, do for our next Seven Land Hand merch idea. Remember, we're still looking for something that we can do. That's or uh, any classic ideas. Just if you've got an idea, you're listening to this now and you're going, "Oh, this is an idea." Oh, I've been sitting on this for so long. It's perfect for Seven Land Hand. Let's Pod, podcast at sevenlandhand.com. Send it in. And if you want to just uh, you know tell Matt how glorious he is, Matt at sevenlandhand.com. Or Jamie how glorious he is at jamie at sevenlandhand.com or uh, yeah okay or you can um, you just send me just general complaints at <laughs> david at sevenlandhand.com yeah. and uh yeah and that'll be that uh, all uh, yeah magic nerd badges going out there left right and center all right well, that was that, that i'd was... like to thank sure was christopher for, christopher chung for his time yeah christopher chung thanks for that man that yeah. was fantastic it's, it's, it's always rough because when we're speaking you know being in australia where we're I, always we're in the evening and we're at we the arse to... end of the universe mate <laughs> whenever we speak to anyone it's uh usually early in the am or uh yeah you know, some other ridiculous ungodly hour but uh he was a real champ spoke to us yeah got in touch got the job done yeah, and, uh, he's given us a good overview of what it is to be uh, a game designer. An de- game I, lo- designer. I love how he was talking about how he had lots of fanciful, far-fetched ideas, and it wasn't until he took on board 
um, feedback, yeah. just to rein it back in. And he reined it back in and came up with this like a solid gaming mechanism. That's it. And he's come up with something that's just taken the world by storm in lanterns. It's it's amazing because all he's done is used what was within him, used that creativity, taken on board uh, constructive criticism, and yeah. just nailed it. Is fantastic work, yeah. Chris. Shows, Pretty fantastic, yeah. Shows yeah. Um, well, shows growth as, as a designer, really. Absolutely. Um, and I'd also like to thank. Jamie, for again, it's, it's past the witching hour over there. And uh, how many times have you turned into a pumpkin so far working for us? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I always manage to turn back, though. That's what counts, right? That's yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> it turns into a crystal carriage by the <laughs> and, morning. Uh, you know, thanks, thanks to you guys for having the podcast gear and putting it all together. Yeah, well, that's, that's still going to happen. I've got to get up very early in the morning <laughs> and start, and start right, cutting listener, and If you never hear this, Sorry, yeah. <laughs> cut that out. But you know, we've got MTG coming back in uh, yep. Fortnite's time, and um, maybe I'll get Aaron to uh, bust the booster video style for us, which is taking the world by storm as well. That's pretty good. Seeing the cards get opened up and uh, as a whole new level, yeah. a, a whole new dimension. Yeah, well, it's a lot. I think, level that's, of I think that's not bad because it's it's pretty tough listening to cards being described to you, but seeing them open, you go, oh, that one. And I love that card. And then he says, that's garbage. I'll be the first one there to say, hang on a minute. I love that card because I'm, I'm seem fresh on the, uh, yeah, on the loving bad cards front. What about next month's game? Next month, you know what? That's 2017. Wow. Next month is the next year. So we've got no idea what that's going to be. You'll Not have yet. To stay tuned. Not yet. Um, yeah, I, I guess we don't know what it is. We'll have to um, find out what's happening. I know. What, see. Are you, what are you feeling, guys? You got any got any preferences? Ooh. Well, you know, we've 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 covered a lot of a few, fair few genres, and uh, yeah, maybe trying to find a different genre that we haven't covered yet. I mean, I'm always different. up for the horror stuff, but we've done that quite a lot. Uh, I, I like the I like the games that challenge us. You know, the games that we're not quite expecting to be totally awesome, and we play them, and they totally are. You know, those are the, I think that's the stuff that we want to get out there because if you, you walk into a good game store right now you're going to see the titles that are just like well that's a great game yeah there's no doubt about it but those ones that are sort of on the shelf and you're going well i know nothing like you know beyond baker street i yeah. think that's perfect because that can go under the radar but that's a fantastic game yeah what about cards against humanity i don't know anything about that game <laughs> and i think that's doing quite all right for itself yeah you know, uh, i'd like to give a quick shout out i just played earlier this week the Game of Thrones Hand of the King, which is a kind of comic-y yeah. style picture. Uh, I've seen that. Visuals. But it's actually a really, really good game, and it's by Bruno Cathala. Oh, oh fantastic. F- friend of the podcast. How about yeah, we get Bruno back on the line? It's great. Oh, <laughs> I've always got a tear on my cheek. Let's just, get, <laughs> let's just pick a Bruno game just to see if we can get Bruno back on the podcast to have a chat. That would be so I- good. You know what? That's it. We're doing that next year. It's on the <laughs> yeah. list. Hand of the King? Well, any Bruno game. Just oh, get Bruno okay, game. a Bruno game. <laughs> because yeah. because we've played uh, Mr. Jack. Yeah. To, uh, such a great game. Uh, it's such a great game. That is just fantastic. Uh, it would just be... It'd be terrible talking to Bruno now because we'd just be like, you're, you're just the greatest guy in the universe. I, think. <laughs> I, would, I, I would hug... If I was at a gaming con right now, I would hug Bruno. <laughs> I'd just hug Bruno. That's, that's all there is to it. Fair enough. All right. Is, is that it? Is that, oh, isn't the guy who owns Spud Shed, isn't his name Bruno? Probably. No, we could always hook that up for you if you, you know, really need it. As, as we're at the end of the podcast now, <laughs> short story about Spud Shed. Sure. 
my father-in-law, who is a little bit unwell right now, so you've got to pay respect to the story. Uh, my father-in-law never called any store by its proper name ever, so Spud Shed became Spud City. And my wife, in her attempts to remain, you know, pretty much G-rated in front of the kids, slipped up one day by combining Spud's shed with Spud City and said, kids, we're off to Spud Shitty. <laughs> oh, an easy mistake to make. What yeah. a fee. Yeah. And, and that was our podcast. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.